Welcome to the Melomancy podcast. Uh, this is my podcast by me, Y, the, the, the Ship Poster Club user named Y, um, we, where we talk about. Uh, I froze. Um, <laughs> you want to try again? <laughs> I think that's a really good one. Okay. I'm Dylan. I'm Victim. I'm Y. I'm the host. Uh, you, you all are my guests for this for this podcast. The hostess with the mostess. So yes, Y is with us. Uh, in the outro, I will throw a link to his profile if you want to see more of him. So we have a couple things to talk about today. Uh, it's been over a week since our last episode because I have a second child that was born a couple weeks ago. Congratulations. And I've been... Oh, thanks, man. I've been super fucking busy. I'm just shitting out these episodes when I can. I'm not even going to edit tonight. After we record this, I'm going to bed. But not before I finish all these alcoholic beverages on my desk. So, since um, I've been gone, the fucking internet like, kind of exploded with all this like Blizzard hate. Which um, makes me happy inside because I don't really like Blizzard to begin with. Yeah, no, the, the whole Blizzard stuff, it really validated my, my biases, which is great. I love when that happens. Because, like, so, Victim, your your friend Kaus uh, joined our Discord, and he said something really profound that, that really stuck with me, is he, he said that he didn't like Blizzard ever since StarCraft Two. Like, he just kind of ha- didn't care about them. And that was a long time right. ago. But, like, I remember StarCraft Two, and I really like StarCraft One. I kind of care about StarCraft Two, and I, th- I, I appreciate that it's pro scene and is alive and well, I guess. Everything after that, like Overwatch... Updates to Diablo three, I guess. I don't give a fuck, dude. Yeah, and and I'd say he's even being generous. A lot of people have hated it since long, since long, long before that point. I mean, I still bought Overwatch when it was new because it was really hype, and I thought it was going to be good. And I ended up not really liking it. You you were there. I think you've been present for all the matches I played. Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, there were dozens of them. <laughs> a whole dozen. Of them. <laughs> no, I, I mean, like I've talked about it a bit. Maybe not on podcast, but. When Overwatch came out, I, I was really hesitant. I didn't want to buy it. I spent 40 bucks of my neat bucks, and I was like, I, I felt really bad. Like, pit in my stomach, like, I fucking wasted money. And then I proceeded to just easily hit Diamond, and I got so bored with the game. It wasn't about whether or not I liked it. It was just super boring. To me, personally, obviously. I, I just I felt like at the, the skill level I was playing at, I was just, I guess, a lot better than people. And I prefer a challenge when I when I play video games. I mean, as noted by how much I've played Dark Souls over the years. Uh, Hashtag humble brag. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it, it's just in one of those moments where like I just I couldn't do it, and I I fell out with it. And I, I played it a little bit later on with some of the Melomancers just because you know they added in some like fuck around modes that were interesting. But outside of that, really, I didn't the the direction they were taking the game wasn't very entertaining to me. I I didn't really find anything that I, I really like, I don't know, that draw, drew me in. So why? Uh, what what Blizzard games have you played? What, what do you uh, think about Blizzard? Before all this. And after, I guess. I've played Diablo 1. That's it. I'm proud of you. No, that boom. Did, did you recover the Herodric cube? <laughs> you, you, you've started and ended with greatness. You're good. And Diablo 1 wasn't even really Blizzard, right? It was kind of like half Blizzard. Obtained by Blizzard after they made Diablo One. So uh, yeah, I've watched. I've I've watched all of it from the outside. I have no 
little to no interest in multiplayer games in the first place. So I think my 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 knowledge on all of this will be very limited. But uh, it's very it's very fun to watch people get angry at something that I don't care about. So Overwatch launched. People got hyped for it, and then people promptly got disappointed in it or had opinions about it. And uh, yeah, it's it's just fun to watch how something popular just just explodes and then implodes. It's like a train wreck you can't look away from. It's very fun to watch. I'm I'm disappointed I didn't I didn't really get to enjoy, you know, World of Warcraft when it was a new thing or when it was good, if you could call it good at any point. But I still have no interest in MMOs in the first place, so like I don't have a drawing to come back to it. It's it's an it's an interesting thing to, to watch. Yeah, I really relate to that. Like I didn't have access to a computer that could play video games. I did. I just played Civ. <laughs> I mean I got a, a netbook when I was seventeen back in like two thousand and nine and I played a lot of Red Alert, but I couldn't run like yeah. an MMO. It just was never an option until I built my own computer in 2011. And then by then, World of Warcraft was just old news and trash. Right. And that was like right before Final Fantasy XIV came in. I mean, they came in a few years later, and they kind of took over since then. Yeah, but but fourteen wasn't big until after Realm Reborn, right? Well, kind of. Right. I mean... I mean, four, 14 was received well. Like people, people bought it, and they were like, "Yeah, we're gonna play 14." And then it wasn't good, and then they fixed they, it. They had to born. have some time to realize it wasn't good. Yeah, it. I think on launch day, and now I wasn't there for. I didn't play it until all around reborn, but from like recounts of uh, like a, I think Halzak and a bunch of his friends played it at launch. And my understanding is that it, the initial like reception was kind of like ah. Uh, not sure about this, but then people, when they finally got to like max level and really were starting to like feel out the game, they're like, "There's just nothing here. It's there's nothing worth doing," and it was uh, not fun. There was no real gameplay loop either. Apparently, just a giant mess in that regard. One time, I was at Walmart with Jordan, and he was really drunk, and I wasn't, and I don't remember why. But uh, he bought me a copy of A Realm of Born for the PS3. He really wanted me to play it, and it came with like a free month, and I was like, okay. But I had a first-generation PS3, which has very little RAM. So, like, compared to the older-generation PS3s, it ran like trash. It ran like you were playing it on your old netbook? Yeah, <laughs> actually. It's sad because, you know, you think consoles are kind of, like, locked in their specs, but they actually add memory to consoles as they make new versions of them, which is why games like A Realm Reborn or Drakengard 3 will, like, run like a toaster on an old PS3. But you get one of those new ones that has, like, the slide-off top or whatever, yeah, right? I got the Super Slim, like... Mm-hmm. what last summer yeah it came out like way later and i bet it plays most of those ps3 games buttery smooth in comparison to what i had it's not it's not like it's a significant difference it's just less pain so yeah. you're still gonna get 30 fps 720 mm-hmm. on like 90 percent of games in the library but at yeah. least it'll be you know 30 fps more often than not right or it's the true. loading screens will be shorter i find that funny too because so. like the ps2 era when they when they finally made the swap to slim it was kind of like the opposite they kind of gutted it a bit exactly in that case they just took the power supply outside of the console itself yep. and just made it an external brick and then right 
there was also less space for cooling. And so there were more problems after that. And so it just got a whole lot yeah, worse. Yeah, oh my god. So many saves corrupted too. I hated I hated my slim so much. I was so pissed. And I see you in the chat, Azu, with your 500 hours Final Fantasy fourteen. Congratulations. Because I can't play that game. Like, I bought it like on PC like way later. And it's just... I couldn't get past like level 30. Like, it's not for me. It's the same thing for a while with me is I, I just, I get into it and I get into the rating scene and I have so much fun with it. But then I come to realize that realistically I've beaten everything. Well, at this point I didn't beat everything because in this new expansion, money was a problem more than uh, my playtime. Right. Like in previous expansions, like Stormblood and, or even just WoW's expansions, it's just like once you get to the point that like you're just beating everything, it's like all I'm really doing is rinse and repeating so that I can get gear so that I can do the same thing I've always been doing just a tiny bit better. It's just like the gameplay loop is incredibly stale and I'm surprised it's actually been as successful as it has been. And that's nothing on 14. 14 is great. It's like I'd say at least 0.5 times better than uh, than uh, or 50 percent better than uh, World of Warcraft at this point. But I don't know. I think I'm maybe just falling out with the with, the, with that kind of crowd now. <laughs> I want more sandbox. No, I know. That's how we met. So uh, why? I don't know if you went back and listened to all those old episodes I made when I didn't know how to edit. I did not. But uh, I don't expect you I to. I literally only listened to that one episode. <laughs> so me and Victim have known each other for quite a long time. Uh, we met on, if you could believe it, a fucking Minecraft server. Oh, yeah. Man. Uh, but it, I don't like my I don't like Minecraft. Just I, disclaimer. I, I will defend Minecraft. Oh, okay. But you're not an, one of those anti-Minecraft people, because like that's usually... I am not anti-Minecraft. I've never been anti-Minecraft. That's how I butter up the story, mostly. Most of the time. I am pro, I am pro Minecraft Beta 1.7.2. That was a good update. The pre, it's two-on-one, do pre-adventure update, where they added sticky pistons. Dude. So, uh, I remember I bought Minecraft in 2010 2011 okay. during the halloween update during alpha when they added the nether for the first yeah, time that's when i bought it and uh my wife destiny she bought a copy as well and we played the shit out of it uh me and her joined a server with some real life friends uh but one of those real life friends turned out to be like an asshole he wasn't really my friend yeah. he was a friend's friend and um it's a really funny story i'll probably tell it another time not now but we basically griefed him and got away with it for a long time. And it was hilarious, like the kind of shenanigans we got away with because server logs weren't really a thing. And the mods for servers that existed at the time were really primitive. So you couldn't really tell who was griefing you unless you like literally caught them. And we were like duplicating TNT. We blew up some buildings. We were like terrorists. <laughs> it was awesome. They didn't catch us until like uh, they wiped and got a new server. It was awesome. And I'm not friends with that guy anymore. Uh, but anyway, I looked for in 2011 i looked around for other servers to join that i could kind of do the same thing uh and i ended up finding a server called herocraft the multiverse which um basically the guy that runs it has a hard-on for old mmos that are hardcore like uh i don't have any examples but he he likes difficult games that are multiplayer right i'm th- i'm thinking like I, I think he might have been a dark age of camelot fan he, I mean, they, they've played everything under the rainbow at that, at that point. You can't pin down the influence on a single game, but it was basically a Minecraft server that had Iconomy back in Alpha when Iconomy right. was first made. Basically, they had 
a lot of players. We're talking hundreds, right? But uh, there was only ever like one to five hundred players at a time logged in. Uh, I mean, in, in Bastion era, there was, or I think the server cap was four hundred. But still, either way. So they had this economy where if you have gold bars or gold blocks, you can trade them in for economy coins at the spawn, which was a no PvP zone. But outside spawn, mm-hmm. everything was PvP on. You could spend economy coins that you get from turning in gold. It was a gold-backed economy to buy region protections, a township, if you will, right? And PvP was off in the town. So people would basically go on their forum, which was a Zen 4.0 forum, which is pretty good forum software. I remember it fondly. And basically, like, you recruit for your town, and there's no requirement to get along with each other. PvP was permitted and encouraged between towns and people would get like organically like their own little clicks together and they would like like if you killed someone out in the open and they belong to a town their whole town would get geared up and come to your town and kill all your guys <laughs> even the innocent ones and like basically steal your stuff because you didn't cover your chest with dirt blocks because that's how you because they can't break any blocks right? right but they can scale your walls and like murder you right it was i have a lot of positive experiences for that server that's where i met victim we played that server for many years. We accomplished about everything there was to accomplish. And then it kind of went downhill. And then, but we were really good friends, uh, our little crew. So we started doing other shit. So that's why we're here. Yeah, actually, I got a little update about that. So the other night, I just, on a whim, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to re-download Minecraft and see how HeroCraft's doing. Uh, turns out both of the HeroCraft servers are straight up dead. And uh-huh. or people only log into them to ask and see if people are around. So Gross. realistically, nobody's there. Not a single person. I mean, if I feel on one hand, on one hand, I feel a little bad, but on the other hand, it's like hey, this was inevitable. That's just absolutely haram. Well, modern Minecraft has changed a lot since 2011, 2012, even. Yeah. Like yeah. world gen is completely different. Just all the different mechanics and stuff just change things so mm-hmm. much. You you just it's a different game. Oh, not only that. So this very particular server, uh, after the first map that I was on, onwards, because yeah. they regularly wipe the map every like year, right? Yeah. What they did was they developed a plugin called Heroes, which is used on a couple other servers too. This was like the server that belonged to the people who made Heroes, and the Heroes plugin was like it was all text based. You all type in commands, but you can basically pick a class bind some skills to hotkeys or items and like if you were a wizard you'd throw fireballs and shit it was all in-game assets like um the fireball spell was like a snowball that was lit on fire like if you shoot it through lava with a mm-hmm. with one of those launchers yeah. except you know it just comes out of your hands and no modding is required to do any of this because it's all built in stuff yep. right as server plugins go it was just a really sophisticated server plugin to give you an mmorpg which made it a lot more interesting than vanilla Minecraft. And like there came a point where base Minecraft have changed so much, but I was still playing HeroCraft that I didn't like base Minecraft anymore. I mean, it had merit. It's good. I'm not going to tell anyone Minecraft's a bad game, uh, but it, I wasn't playing it. I was only playing HeroCraft. And when HeroCraft died, I didn't play Minecraft anymore. Mm. That's just kind of how it is. I mean, we've tried, uh, me and the guys, but like it's just, it's really hard to. And even when you do like heavy modded servers, one of the issues you run into is that like there's always going to be that one guy that, uh, just doesn't like one of the mods or one of the mods kind of like meshes wrong or didn't install correctly for one dude. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's messy. It, it's, it's possible to be good. It's just, it's really messy now, especially whereas like 
depending on what version you're using, you might not even be able to use the mod. And there's just because Minecraft doesn't seem to care all that much. I mean, I guess they never really did. They they always liked the modding community, but they never really mm-hmm. like focused on it on on their own. So it's like what really made HeroCraft for me was the banter. Like, um, yeah, you kill somebody out in the open, and their town comes to hunt you down, and you have to like talk them down. You like forge alliances with other people so they won't fuck with you. And all of this was happening on the forum in the open, and it was like it wasn't role playing. Like, I'm not pretending to be a wizard in some fantasy world. I'm a, just a player, and I'm just talking to another guy. But like, we're fighting over these made up resources in a video game, and it's like it is role playing, but it's like it's role playing because we're playing, not because like I'm trying to be a thing. Yeah, right? it's what people it's what people usually refer to as like light role play. It's like you're not right. playing a character, you're not like shedding your skin, but you're you are essentially acting out like these roles in the video game because it's how you ob- obtain things. Emergent mechanics, which are like you you are forced to play as your role. Uh, Trio Doug, who is on Chipposer Club, was in Atlas, which is the the game by the people who make Ark. I'm familiar. And he was in a quote unquote role playing server. And he was talking about all the things that he was doing. And it wasn't exactly role-playing. It was just like everyone wasn't, you know, Chinese. They weren't gaming the mechanics. They were just playing as if they were playing the game. And, uh, like, stealing ships and stealing booty and all the other mechanics that you interact with other people in the game was how they interacted with each other. And so on the forums, they talked, like, as if, as if they were interacting with each other in the real world. So it wasn't role-playing as in, like, you're pretending to be a pirate. It was role-playing as in, well, I don't want to acknowledge the game mechanics. I want to just play the game as it was created. And it seemed like he had a really good time with that. It's like, you're on the forum. Yeah, like, some guy on the forum is like, hey, some asshole named Trio Doug just stole all my gold. Me and my buddies are looking for where he lives. Anybody got any tips, we'll pay for tips on their location and it's like oh here you go right and it's, this could all be out of game on a forum you know we we accidentally stole your ship uh we left all the booty on this island here just go get that uh we buried it over here just just go over there we're, we're not gonna we're not gonna attack you or defend that at all as like a note a message in a bottle or something <laughs> That's pretty great, actually. That's that, hilarious. See, I'm sad. Atlas had such a really, like, a really shitty launch. The thing was, is all the public servers were full of Chinese or, like, any people who were not really into the game. They were just into, you know, griefing or whatever. Just to yeah. get an edge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not, that's not having fun with the game. So you have to find a private server that's all about having fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that reminds me, uh, when I played Arc Age for the first time, real Arc Age, not Arc Rage, I got to like the first boss, and there was like five dudes rolled up in a squad. They're like moving in unison, and they're like attacking in unison, and they were just fighting the boss over and over, and I'm like, that's a bot army. And they're all <laughs> speaking Chinese. Yeah. Man, that was like, my favorite time in Battlegrounds and old, like old WoW. You just roll by, and you're like, wait a minute. Why does everyone on the enemy team have the same name? You realize it's one dude playing 40 fucking characters. You're like, oh, cool, sweet, awesome, this is great. Yeah. So, like, that was my only experience with Arc Age. And then, uh, many years later, I tried Arc Rage. Our friend Dream gave me a bunch of stuff, and then I never logged in again, and I felt bad. Nah, I don't feel bad. He deserved it. 
after that happened, you guys didn't log in again either, so I felt less bad. But Victim, you've been playing Arcage. It says you're playing it right now. What up? If you consider me running around in circles every, like, ten minutes, then yes, I am playing it. Yeah, I don't know. Like, Arcage has a special place in my I mean, we, we talked about it earlier. I don't really like the whole theme barky bit of MMOs as much anymore. I, I really like the sandbox element because, I don't know, like, the, the random element of interaction is just cool. So, yeah, we, we, I, I never played Arcage much at launch. I got a max level and then quit. And then we played Arc Rage, which was a private server for anyone who doesn't know. It, basically, their idea was they wanted to remove pay to win from the game. They didn't. Uh, they only, like, slightly removed it and then gave ways of getting it in-game. So you didn't have to pay for it, but you, you could, and you could easily get ahead by paying money into it. So they were honestly no, no different from the devs. They made a cool statement, and I, and I really liked the statement, even though they were scumbags. I mean, they were less scumbags, but they were still scumbags. They made a statement, though, that was... They didn't want Tryon, which is the company that, that runs it over here in the West. They didn't want them to, to spend the resources taking them down. They wanted them to instead spend their resources doing better. And a lot of people were like, yeah, but that's not going to happen because they're losing money through you. They, they, have to, they have to take you down, realistically. Turns out they don't, and they didn't. They decided they're going to remake Arcage. They made, so they made Arcage Unchained instead, which has zero pay to win. So no scumbaggery going on at all which is great. It, it it makes the game so much more fun to play. So tell me, what all is different? What what was pay to win about the original? Because I didn't get very far, obviously. And what why would people want to play it now? What would you tell them if you like, you know, had them cornered in an elevator or something? All right. Well, I'd say first off, no loot boxes. Loot boxes are gone. I, I, there's still the element for, for them in the game, which means they might still be drops, but you can't buy them off the cash shop. Arcade was is pretty old, like like two thousands, right? Uh I think the original arcade was like two thousand and nine. Okay. Was it? Uh oh, it might have been a little later than that. Maybe like twenty ten, twenty eleven. So when were when were loot boxes in, introduced? I think it was after launch sometime for sure. I probably I mean I would, like a couple I would updates. have to assume like after twenty fourteen, twenty fifteen. That's when it started probably, getting yeah. I don't even remember. By like triple mm-hmm. A Releases started putting loot boxes and everything. Uh, yeah, that would make sense. So of course they would. They would. Fu- I'm just assuming. I, I don't know anything about Arcage, but I would assume that they'd start, you know, following the trend of OEA oh, and Ubisoft and whoever else is is putting loot boxes and everything. So we'll put it in ours, and then they start adding features to that loot box to to add that. So so then they remove it later, or you know quote-unquote remove it what you know what about it do they remove do they make it so that it's all cosmetics yeah i mean no that, that's a good point i think i don't remember all what was in them i know there was like regrade stones and some other stuff that were like basically made getting gear easier and faster and just all that stuff and if you didn't want to use it you could sell it for gold which in turn would just make everything faster right but i think the they basically I want to say that stuff just isn't in the game anymore, but it probably is. I assume there's probably just a drop off of a monster somewhere. But um, I think the reason why that it probably isn't even in at all is because there's a new set of gear, two set, new sets of gear, that is entirely just upgraded differently. It's straight through grinding and playing the game. So that stuff's kind of useless now, I guess. So they were able to just kind of circumvent it all together. Okay, that's cool. I got to preface, my mind is all about game design and like how like how, how interaction is done with the player and how the, how the game is designed. So like, 
like in terms of metagaming and you know MMOs and stuff like that, I don't I don't think of it in that way. I think of I think of like the direct interaction between the developer, the designer, and the the player. So in terms of like loot boxes, like how do the loot boxes interact with the player? So that's that's what I'm thinking about right now, and that's why I don't really like MMOs because it's way too complicated to figure out that 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 direct interaction because most of the time when an MMO developer makes an update, they make an update to interact with the metagame, to change the metagame. You see the same thing in fighting games where like they just they just tweak the stats so that something who is OP in one certain interaction, in one certain setup, just to make it a little bit more balanced. So it's a it's a it's a constant tug of war between the balancing. That's just yeah. always what I see in terms uh-huh. of the balance patches and stuff like that. So yeah, WoW was pretty bad for that stuff too. Yeah. WoW has in the past made it so that entire classes, if not aspects of classes, were just like neutered to the point that they were like unusable in right. both PvP exactly. and PVE. At least some fighting games like Tekken have the decency in 2019 to like make save those changes for like seasonal updates and they kind of set them in stone. It also forces them to do better. It does keep changing, though. Like, they, they balance every character, not just the new ones. Yeah, it's kind of the League of Legends effect, is the way I like to think of it. The alternative is, like, back in the day, uh, you had to release a whole new game. Right. To balance your game. Right, like, Street Fighter, they had, like, three versions of Street Fighter 2 before they made Street Fighter 3. And then they made three versions of Street Fighter 3. I think 2 had, like, close to 12 mm-hmm. editions. Close to twelve, but before yeah. before they before they moved on to Street Fighter three, they had what four or five? Yeah, I think it was something like that. I mean, they they had like the base game. There was Super Street Fighter, and, and then there was all the Japanese releases of it as well that I, I can't remember the names of at the moment. And even then, like organizing a tournament, you're gonna you're gonna organize a tournament based on maybe the console versions, right? Because that's the ones that everyone has a has access to. Isn't that the reason why DSP got like top North American in like one tournament that he like brags about? Yeah, his his one claim to fame. Yeah, his one claim to fame. He did well at Evo the one year that they played that janky version of Street Fighter. <laughs> it's just it's just a it's just a, a flaw in the game design of the people at Capcom. They've always had flaws in those games though. Like, yeah. really bad glaring flaws. Like, secret characters that you could use in tournaments and shit. That was, like, so stupid. Yeah. <sighs> so, Arcage. Yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah. I mean, if you like MMOs, you like sandbox MMOs, or how have you just played Arcage in the past? Uh, if nothing else, it's just a, a burst of population on one hand. And on the other hand, it's not pay-to-win, so it has longevity to it. I'm glad there's no loot boxes in that, because loot boxes always piss me the fuck off. Yeah. Like, fucking Blizzard, man. Like, Overwatch really pushed loot boxes forward into the mainstream i think don't knock blizzard until you first talk about bell oh god because what no i i agree because yeah gambling way before overwatch yeah overwatch just copied tf2's model can i vent about that a moment i so i got a a hot take yeah and you guys are allowed to be mad at me if you want console team for team fortress 2 was better than team fortress 2 on the pc at any point Hell yeah. I've heard this argument, and I agree, because it's locked in time before the hat update, and it will never be updated. I mean, like, sure, I understand, like, 
static gameplay isn't so cool anymore, but like it was balanced and fun and you didn't have to worry about like if someone had like 80 different billion things they pulled out of a loot box. And they're so game changing. Like, goddamn. Like, when I tried getting into Team Fortress, a friend of mine who plays a lot was like, have all this stuff, all these duplicates I don't want. And I started playing Demo Man, and I had a fucking sword and shield, and I just charged people. I didn't do anything demo y or explosion y with the Demo Man and his <laughs> grenade launcher. I, I cut people's heads off with a sword. And I'm like, what happened to this game? Again, like I keep saying, game design is a direct interaction between the developer, the designer, and the player. When you have all the meta stuff and all the, the corporate stuff, which is like how to make most money out of this game and all that stuff, that doesn't interact with the game design. That doesn't say, that doesn't determine what the, the design of the game is. So when you lock it in time before all of the, how do we, how do we make the most money out of the people playing this game? How do we make it so that people keep playing this game. Before right. all that, you have a designer, an intelligent person, saying, how do we make this game fun? And then at the end of that, you have someone who is playing the game and having fun with it. If you lock that in time, if you do that before updates, before all that stuff, you know, bug, bug fixes, I understand, but patches to make the game different, to make it, make you, force you to pay more, to, to have more fun with the game, that's against the, the game design, what the developer intends you to have fun with. Some absolute wisdom there. You know, I think, I think it was a mistake when game development shifted towards trying to keep the players playing for as long as possible. Because those games are kind of fleeting. Yeah, I have a thousand hours in Warframe. There will come a day where it'll be the last time I play it, and I won't even know it until I look back and realize how long it had been and decide not to log in again. But like there are games I played when I was younger and some of which I play today that you play it, it has an ending and then you're done and it sticks with you because it was amazing. You don't need to keep playing it. Maybe you'll replay it another time. Hey, I will always replay Fyro 1. I will always replay Yoshi's Island. I will always replay Spider-Man 2. Oh man, I miss Spider-Man too. There are games, there are, there are single-player games that I will always replay at some point in time. I will never, I will never know the time when I will place my last block in Minecraft. That's true. I mean, and same for me with Dark Souls. There will be one point in time where I will revisit Minecraft. So these, right. there's a lot of single-player games that I will always revisit. If you take a game like, like WoW, WoW, WoW Classic, Right. They're, they have to revisit WoW Classic because they've changed WoW so much to try to keep people playing. If they just kept WoW as it was and they didn't make any expansions, I'm sure people would still be playing WoW as it released originally. 1.0, no changes. Right. And people would still play that every once in a while if they still supported it. Right. There are still some people playing EverQuest. Oh, God. Exactly. The EverQuest servers are still pretty full from what I've heard. Isn't Halo 1 still, like, the original Xbox Xbox original Halo 1 still online because people will not stop playing it? Uh, I can't remember. Well, the, the PC version I think version the PC version still up. I don't think the console one is. PC version. There was a, there was a thing about the, the OG Xbox version where, like, if you didn't stop, if you kept playing it, then the servers wouldn't go down. No. It might have been peer-to-peer. I don't know if that's the case. Because I remember there was like talk amongst uh, game journalism in the Halo 2 era 
you know, back before Maybe really good shit. Yeah. I remember there was articles on Halo 2 about, you know, the last day of Halo 2 before they shut the servers down. Everyone showed up and I, there were people who were like, it's the end. And, and then they know. just kept going. It was it was the same way with Metal Gear Online. I remember both Metal Gear Online One and Metal Gear Online Two. Like everyone was logged in, they weren't shooting each other. They were just sitting there in their cardboard boxes, waiting for the server message to pop up, and they were all saluting each other because that's that's the triangle button is just a salute. Right. The dedicated salute button. You gotta have a dedicated salute button. I mean, that's the interact button. What else is that gonna be in online? <laughs> that's that's fair. Well, I mean, there's ladders to climb and stuff, but whatever. Contact sensitive. But yeah, like dedicated salute button i love the, the the comms in that game like you hit the select button and then you're presented with a d-pad on screen up down left right and it's like aggressive defensive acknowledgement other and then you press the button and then there's four options in the category and you press the directional button and you say it your character voices it so up up aggressive and then the top option is go 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 and then down defensive and then up the choice is i see an enemy or defend the target or whatever the fuck right and you could memorize these combos like so the ch- the communication was flying but there, nobody was typing because nobody had a fucking keyboard and trying to use like the virtual keyboard on any console is the most ass thing in the world oh i i got used to it man i remember fucking 2008 i uh the ps3 was my only web browser so that's how i logged into myspace <laughs> gotta check your myspace hell yeah see the funny thing about i mean i i posted this earlier on chip poster club where MGS4 and, and other other games uh, did so many so many little things that changed changed how games are played. So so Earth Defense Force 4.1, God bless you, has interactions with I don't know how it is on a controller, but on, on keyboard is the control button where you, you, you can shout out things like shouting out mm. EDF, EDF or shouting out where you want to go or what do you want to target um and that's how you interact with people online in a in a voiced command i don't i don't know of any other online console game that does that before metal gear i don't i don't know if there was a ps2 game or anything that was online that had a voiced option to talk about tactics with your team right yep Metal Gear definitely had that down, but I can't think of any other. So, so that probably carried on to this relatively niche game, and probably every I don't, I don't know. Does does uh, I I think does um, Siege have that? The Crown Jewel. Uh, I don't know if Siege has that, but like the Crown Jewel of PS2 online multiplayer was definitely SOCOM, and they didn't have that. Uh, I don't think Siege has it. Not that I know of. I know there is one other game though that has it, and that's Smite. Smite, yeah. Really, Smite has that. Yep, it's actually really cool, and I I'm I'm a little sad that games like League and Dota haven't. Well, maybe Dota might have it. I actually don't know. It's been a while, but at least League, I'm I'm sad that they never picked that up. Wait a minute, uh, what the fuck is up with League of Legends anyway? Uh, you were telling me in our little secret podcast channel, uh, something about or was it Sarge? I don't remember. No, oh, well, I mentioned it in off topic, but I right. mean, this, is, this is a good segue because we can we can segue right back right back into the fuck Blizzard. Yeah, we should probably talk about that more. <laughs> yeah. So what what did Riot do? Tell me, I don't have any idea. I just want to preface this all with I know, I know that like for a lot of people this is like a, a China issue, and it is it is one hundred percent a China issue. But until Riot makes a full blown like oopsie like Blizzard did, I, I just I'm not I don't know. I don't feel bad supporting them necessarily because they are still an American company. 
And that money is still probably not making its full way back to China. Isn't Riot 100% owned by Tencent? Yes, and it's because of the way stocks work. And I, I don't I fully understand it. But yes, long story short, yes. What'd they do? So they had their 10-year anniversary, finally. Yeah, they had their 10-year their anniversary, and it was, it was good. You know, people were like, oh, they're going to announce a new champion. They're going to talk about maybe the fighting game they've teased or maybe the MMO they've teased. No, actually, they just dropped seven new fucking IPs on our head and, you know, announced a bunch of free new shit, a bunch of like all this other shit. Um, people are making the joke that they are literally going for Blizzard's throat. <laughs> and it, it definitely looks like it. I mean, they got a new hero shooter coming. They got a new, it, I don't know what to call it. It looks like Diablo, but it might be an MMO. We don't actually know. A 4X RPG? A CRPG? Kind of? I'm not sure. Riot has still only made one game, right? Kind of. Yeah. It, it, you know you know that Minecraft game? Uh, what was it? It's made by Hypixel. Um, fuck, what's it called? The rip, the, that one ripoff one? Yeah, it, it's like high something. Yeah, they're, 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 they, had, so they had some development help on that. So technically, if you want to like get real technical about it, that's kind of their second They're kind of made two. Yeah, so the one point five, we could we could we could. So these these other games are they are they actually making them or are they just publishing them or what? Um. So from my understanding, the way that they had it all like like phrased and framed was that this is their team building this. They they have like hired on new people for it. It's all Riot Games, and I think all of it is League of Legends based, except the hero shooter, which isn't. It's just its own thing. Right, the same universe. Same yeah. IP, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I mean, there is a plot, I'm told, between the League of Legends characters. It's probably silly and stupid. It used to be. It's actually really cool now. Right. Much like Blizzard, they, they spend, you know, big China bucks on making really great cinematic CGI trailers uh, that don't reflect gameplay at all, but usually have story beats in them that is probably written somewhere. Like, I remember uh, my brother-in-law, who I live with, he showed me the most recent trailer where some dude who's been in the game forever, like, has beef with this other character that's been in for a long time because of, like, his his dead wife or something and her soul. And, like, there was a trailer where she's going to be a character and she was, like, broken out of her little prison. And it was, like, really high-quality CGI fucking Pixar level. Like, it was, like, one of the Blizzard StarCraft trailers. And I was actually surprised. They they admitted to um, the only reason that they could make that so high quality is they reused assets in uh, in really clever ways. And I didn't notice. I mean, I kind of noticed. That's, That's fine. the same Lucian model as the, one of their earlier cinematics like a year ago. But like, damn, like, I don't know. They, I'm surprised. They basically apparently pulled that out of their back pocket. I don't know what the time frame was. I don't think they ever touched on that, but apparently it was pretty quick. Hey, you know what? Uh... Smash 4 trailers were all either CG or hand-drawn animation to introduce characters or anything like that. None of it was used in-game. None of it was, like, it was all promotional. No oh, damn. Uh-huh. So, well, for League of Legends and StarCraft 2, it has to be that way because those are both, like, top-down RTS-like games. So is, Obviously, so one's a MOBA. Smash 4, but... and so is Smash 5, or Ultimate, or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Uh, mm-hmm. All of that promotional material is all used as promotional material, not used in game. And right. it's just a competitive game. It's just a. It's just something that you want to use to advertise to to generate hype for people 
to buy the game or to keep playing the game. And that's yeah. the mm-hmm. only reason why you're making that, the only reason why you're paying money to get that promotional material out right. and to get people to view that is just to get people back into the game. So I do appreciate uh, I, Smash I, 5 doesn't have any microtransactions. Oh, well, yeah. That's kind of nice. You you got to pay for new characters, but I mean, that's of course you do. Fighting games. That's always been fighting games. Yeah, but they don't, you don't, don't pay, pay for anything else. Anymore. And they keep adding stuff as well. Like, oh, I guess you got to pay for the me costumes. That is technically a microtransaction, but... Well, that's also... Like, that's only cosmetics. People often say that cosmetics aren't microtransactions, so you're not paying for a currency. You're paying right. for, a, for something that doesn't affect the game. So if you play as Sans, then you will win. So that's kind of a pay-to-win, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. That is fair. No, but... um. So Overwatch does this, where their loot boxes only right. contain cosmetics because you can't actually yeah. customize your weapons, uh, and all the characters are unlocked automatically. Uh, however, the only thing there is to earn in Overwatch is your ranked standing ranked and too. the loot boxes, and the means to buy loot boxes without paying real exactly. money for loot boxes. So like the only thing to obtain, the only thing to work for, is something that you can buy, and I think that's kind of shitty. Yeah, it's just cosmetics, but that's your only achievable objective besides just playing because you think it's fun. And I think, and I think that's one of the reasons why it's seeing like decline because realistically, if you're not working on ranked, uh, if you're not working on dating loot boxes in general, you're just not really getting anything out of it. You're, you're just playing whatever game mode you queue into and then you're done when you're done. Because some people don't like progression, but let's flip this again. Why you, why would someone keep playing smash? Since you have nothing to earn after you un- unlock every single character, after you buy all of the costumes for the me fighters that you're never going to use, after you buy all the characters that they release eventually. Uh, I mean, there's trophies still, I guess. Overwatch, or not Overwatch, uh, Smash Bros. is pretty good as a party well, game. I'm saying, I'm saying on a, on a competitive level, why do, why do people keep playing it even you know, before they, they go to competitions and go on you know, quote-unquote pro and make money off of how they play? Why do people keep playing the game? Why do people mm-hmm. keep playing online or in local tournaments or whatever? Why do people keep putting time into the game? I think it's because they, they play to get better. They, they play because of the competition, right? They, yeah. they play because of that, 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 you know, learning how the game works, learning how whatever the current meta is, and etc., why? Why couldn't that be the same with Overwatch? I I'm not. I don't know anything about Overwatch. I haven't played a single match of it. I have no intention to. Every time I see a video clip of Overwatch, I my mind gets overblown and I don't know what's happening on screen. But it's a it's a competitive game. So why do people keep playing it? It's not because of the loot boxes or the cosmetics or any of that. It's because of the competition. It has to be right. It's that, it's yeah, that, I mean, I'd say that's fair. It's that how, how, you, how you can get better at mm-hmm. how you play the game. Not, not in terms of how you can make money off of a competition. It's, a, it's how you can compete in that, right? In the same way, you know, esports, whatever, you compete in a football or a soccer match just because you want to be able to get better at the game. You want to be physically better at with someone else who is also competent at this sport. 
Now that makes a lot of sense. And I think a lot of fighting games have been yeah. dealing with this problem for a long time because for fighting games, I, I think some old fighting games were pretty fun before yeah. the age of online play. Because like Tekken 3, Soul Calibur 2, Soul, Soul Calibur 3, and 4. Well, Dreamcast. Or 1. Yeah, like they, I miss my Dreamcast. They had a lot to I have do. my Dreamcast. Those games had a lot to do uh, that wasn't playing against other people. Like like Tekken 3 introduced the Tekken Force mode. I think yeah. that had Tekken Bowling. That's fucking great. I've never, I didn't know that. It's amazing. They kept it too. Like, you, well, it's fucking DLC now, but like you can get it in Tekken 7 if you want. Um, and then like uh, Soul Calibur 2 had like this really odd single player campaign that had a lot to do. Soul Calibur 3 had an even better single player campaign uh, that involved entirely created character, custom characters as NPCs uh, that told a coherent but not very good plot. But in a fighting game, you don't expect that. And it uh, it took a lot of my hours before I even thought about competition. And uh, games these days... So Smash Bros. has a pretty lengthy single-player campaign and some stuff to do that isn't playing against other people, but it's all about playing against other people. And then Overwatch, playing against other people is the only option. There's nothing else to do in that game. You queue, you play, and you leave. It's like uh, in Halo Reach, they, they give you... Or no, ODST, they give you that second disc. And it's like, ah, oh, here's the ODST multiplayer. And it's just Halo 3. It, it was literally... you. Down, it was just a download for three maps. But you could play them through ODST if you yeah. really wanted to. That's kind of what Overwatch feels like to me. It's like that second disc from ODST only at full price. Yeah. Or, or Quake 3. <laughs> Fair. Fair. So on the other end, um, I always I always think of it when people bring up fighting games is uh, character action games like Devil May Cry or Bayonetta, Bayonetta, my favorite, where it's there is no multiplayer, there is no competitive aspect to it whatsoever. It's all PVE. It's all how you learn how the game works. It's all that if there's something if there's something broken in it if there's something that is way too op that's on the game designer's fault so mm-hmm. so all the challenges in you know dmc or bayonetta all the challenges are based off of how well you can do this one specific challenge that is designed for your move set for your abilities and the whole game is based off of how well you can learn how this move set these abilities work um so it's a more pure, a more pure interaction between how you, how you learn how this game works. Um, that's why that's oh, why yeah, one sure. of my favorite genres of games, where it's you're you're competing with yourself and improving upon yourself. In a fighting game or a, in any other competitive game, you're improving on yourself in terms of other people. But in a in a single player character action game you're competing with yourself against the same brick wall or whatever you're the designer that you're competing against yeah Mm -hmm. you know that actually brings up a good point too i I, you know i wish in mobas or even probably even even fighting games even though i'm I'm really ass at those and i don't play them enough Mm -hmm. um i wish more people would take that to heart to realize that like it's not always going to like your personal improvement isn't always going to like help you in a lot of situations because 
someone might have learned something entirely different that just straight up counters you. Yeah. It may not even be like the champion and like, for League of Legends as an example, right? Like it may not just be the, the champion versus champion. Maybe they're just straight up better at that champion than you are at your champion right. or something. And, and balance them too. Yeah. And I, if a lot more people realize the difference between that and say like, you, you know, your playtime and like Devil May Cry, I feel like a lot of, I was going to say toxicity, but like a lot of like headache and frustration would just go away and i think people would be in a, a lot better headspace for those kinds of games i don't know man like when i was playing metal gear rising mm-hmm. the first time and i got to that final boss like i sp- i spent like four hours trying really? to beat him and only four I was, I was really mad and i was playing on normal and then like after i figured it out like i played through the game on like the hardest difficulty and i still beat him and it was fine but like that first time and i when i don't know what i'm doing and i don't really understand the game it was just easy enough to stumble through it it was like how much did i learn did i waste all this time why is he so hard oh he fucked my shit up but you you convinced me to play hard mode first you didn't you didn't get fucked over in uh in the the the, the dog the, the uh wolf no he beat me a couple was, times i'll admit he's he's the barrier between like learning how to parry in the game him and then monsoon is just like you have to learn how to parry in the game and then armstrong is a bit easier once you know how to parry and i don't know maybe not i think one of my problems with armstrong is when he first gets to his 200 percent stage <laughs> he has a lot of like undo- like unblockable un- unparryable yeah, moves yeah. that you just are required to either run uh, from or dodge you have or to dodge learn the yeah. difference between parryable and non-parryable Exactly, and I felt like that really got to me. Although apparently there's like some weird cheese things you can do, which is like straight up dodging everything. Well, you have to press XB or XA or whatever it is on XA on an Xbox controller, which is the uh, the slash and dodge back, whatever that's called. Yep. You have to just use that yeah, every yeah. time instead of parrying, and then the whole game is cheese. You get like a cheap shot on him and you exactly. get safely back. Yeah, I remember doing that a lot. And But no, like I rematched him on a higher difficulty after I learned the game proper and I gave him a thrashing and felt really good about it. I felt really good about it when I beat him the first time because it was like, wow, that was like four <laughs> hours of my life. I'm not getting back. But I loved every minute of it after I beat him. I was very upset during yeah. at all the, all the times I had, I had lost, but I, I eventually beat him and it was so satisfying. I kind of regret playing astral chain on normal because i wasn't really yeah, challenged i still haven't beaten astral chain yet <laughs> it was so fun but i feel like it would have been more fun if i just struggled through it on a harder difficulty there's something so special about chaining everything together like perfectly and <laughs> just dodging everything perfectly and taking no damage yeah that's so fun yeah. it's oh. but victim uh, that's why i recommended to you that you play metal gear rising on the hardest on a harder difficulty yeah. like hard instead of normal because i got through it really fast and got like hard blocked at the final boss until I, of course, beat him. And I was like, that will happen to you. You're just going to speed through it and then get really mad at the final boss. You need to like start on hard. And then I told him, I, I remember telling you, like, if it's too hard, like, beat the tutorial on normal and then switch it to hard. I mean, I played through the whole game on normal and I had a good time. It was just like a, not easy, but you know, just good enough time. And then I played it through on hard and it was like, okay, now I, understand more of the game and then i played it on revengeance i think i skipped whatever very hard or whatever that was and i just skipped it to revengeance and i you know i struggled but i had a really good time with it it was such a good time i had a similar uh i had a similar experience with near automata i played through it on normal 
uh, I'll never forget it. I then was like, oh, I'm going to play through on hard. And I got my <laughs> face melted in the tutorial. It was really difficult. Like a lot of people online were like, it's really satisfying on hard mode, but you should probably play it on normal until you can save. <laughs> <laughs> because if you fail at any part of the, like two hour tutorial, yeah, you start it over. Fun. As, as soon as you're allowed to save, and you crank it up to hard, it's a very uh, enjoyable experience. My, my most annoying but, thing, um, Resident Evil 6, this is off topic, Resident Evil 6, it has, it's, the game starts out with a half an hour, maybe, long tutorial thing before you get to the main menu, where it does not save, it does not autosave or anything. If you quit the game within that time, it's a bunch of walking segments. It's really boring. It's the worst game design ever. If you quit the game during that time, you have to start from the beginning again. Once you get to the first part of the Leon story, which is the first chapter you unlock, after that tutorial, after that half hour tutorial, you get the same exact thing where you have another half an hour of walking segments or very boring action segments. If you quit during any of that time, you reset all progress. It doesn't save. It's terrible. That's I so it. painful. Ugh. I mean, eventually I got through it an unpirated version on PC, of course, because I'm not going to pay for that game. Um, fuck Capcom, but Resi 7 is amazing, so don't fuck Capcom. But yeah. I mean, Capcom's been a little better in, in been, recent they've times. They've been better. They're, yeah, yeah hiring on, on like all those uh, modders and whatnot, that was really cool. Or, I mean, in the wake of Konami, it's, way, it's, it's, it's anything they do will look cool, though, to be fair. Konami can redeem themselves. I'm not, I'm not fully... I'm not fully... I, I think they, they, they may have like nailed themselves in the coffin with this new Castlevania they released that's a mo mobile game. It's just a gotcha mobile game. I tried it, but it hurts. I'm ignoring everything they do on Pachinko and mobile, as I do with every other developer. I'm ignoring what they do on, on platforms I don't care about. If they're not, if they're not releasing Castlevania games or Metal Gear games on PC or on consoles, I'm just going to ignore them. And then once they do something that's good, I will say, hey, that's something that's good. Those pachinko they machines do. hurt my they soul. Have, have you seen, seen the cutscenes that play on them? I have seen the MGS3 cutscenes. Victim. And those, yeah. I, would, I would love to see those on, on PC or any other platform. But hey, if they don't want to do it, then they don't want to get my money then. That's fine by me. Yeah. Those motherfuckers remade Metal Gear Solid 3's key moments and cutscenes in Metal Gear Solid 5's arguably beautiful engine. And it's not playable. It's a fucking pinball it's machine, man. just Fuck. pain. That's like the definition of pain. I want to rewind. I want to get back on topic. We're not even on okay. topic in the first place. Um, but I want to talk more about Bayonetta. It's fine. It's okay. We're never on topic. Everything's okay. <laughs> um, what was I even talking about? Oh, so so we were talking about difficulty in specifically a platinum game. So Bayonetta is cool because in the normal difficulty, which is the only one you can access outside of easy at the at the onset of the game, mm. is you just assume that's how the game works. Where when you press dodge at the perfect time, you get easy mode where you have slow slow motion where you can just input any combo you want. On hard mode, you have the same thing. Enemy timings are a lot stricter, and the amount of time you have to input a combo is, is quicker. So you can, like, you know, you're, you're given a more challenge so that you can input the combo quicker. You already know what combo you're going to put in, so you can just 
adapt once you move from normal to hard. The hardest difficulty, which is Infinite Climax. I don't know if you, any of you guys have played Bayonetta on Infinite Climax. Yep. Uh, Infinite I played Climax, it on stream a little bit ago, I think, like a couple months back. Infinite Climax is don't have witch time anymore. You cannot slow down the game when you do a perfect combo. You have to understand the oh, secret mechanic that it tries to teach you early in the game. You have to understand the t- secret mechanic that says, hey, if you hold down a button, then you can do a combo like mid mid combo and like dodge while you're doing a combo. It is the most complex part of the game and it doesn't really teach you about it. You have to learn how to do it. Yeah. And I remember doing it by accident. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, and I can do that? I'm like, oh, well, okay. This is much, makes much more sense. Yeah, now. the hardest difficulty forces you to do all of that. It is, it is the best part of the game. And I, I love it for that. And I love how the first normal and hard difficulties don't really require you to do that. So you can feel good beating it on hard and not understanding how to use that mechanic at all. It's amazing. I love I love how that, that is designed, and I hate, and I also hate how that's fucking wild, man. Banana two kind of doesn't really use combos the same way, and it kind of makes makes that a bit less satisfying to learn it that way. Yeah, I think the only thing I really didn't like about Banana one was I think it's the second level, the plane level. Mm. I I just fucking I hated it. I, yeah. I hated how like you had this very specific That's way you had to do it. Thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just I don't know. And then when I tried to play it on hard mode, I felt like realistically the only thing that they changed is my my timings had to be tighter. Right, the timing because the plane. Tighter. Yeah, because the, the level would end sooner too. It's like, and I'm just like, oh. <laughs> I felt like I had more of a trouble just building up my gauge <laughs> to get rid of them. <laughs> well, the timings are the timings are sooner on hard, and also on hard there's a. Uh, the enemy placement is different. So harder enemies show up sooner. And then those enemies that show up sooner are also harder. So the form the form of the design is different where you interact with these these enemies sooner than you would anticipate them to. So Yeah. I mean I I really appreciated it. I, I think that they, they did a good job with it. Yeah. It it was better than uh and I mean and I no way do I hate near. I feel like it was one thing that Nier was really, really weak on. Mm-hmm. It was like enemy placements. Like some of it was like supposed to be like, "Oh, you can't beat this. You should come back later." Ha <laughs> ha. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. But at that point, uh, by the point you get to that, you you already know that you're missing things. And right. if you don't, if you didn't like look up spoilers, you don't know that you're going to come back with like something way better later on. Uh, you just think you're going to miss out on it. So you sit there like I did for five fucking decades <laughs> and you use all your healing items trying to beat these stupid monsters. Uh, I hated it so much. But I mean, now that I know, it's not so bad. It just, I felt like it was kind of like a weird kind of retroactive development yeah. bit where they could have just maybe not had them show up until you were ready to deal with them. Yeah. Yeah. See, I haven't played any, I haven't played near Armana or any Guard game. So, uh, I'm a complete version on all, on all that. I'm sure I'm sure Dylan will be surprised. We're not surprised, but it's it's not it's, <laughs> it's not absolutely unacceptable. It's not it, it is not unacceptable. I haven't had the time to get back to those. Okay, so I highly re- recommend them. Yeah, 
I remember when I was young in my my teens and I played Dragon Guard one and two. Everyone hates two, but I fucking love two. I'll tell you why in a minute. But like I played the Dragon Guard one so many times. And at least one of those times I got all five endings, which is a really crazy endeavor, which is fine. Uh, but like, it's not even a good game. I can't lie. I will endure it. I will endure it. But goddamn, it. is it fun? <laughs> it is so crazy. Like the the plot mm-hmm. goes to like ridiculous heights of 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 crazy. Like I wouldn't want you to explain it to me because I would like to experience it myself. Yeah, I'm not gonna. Yeah, I'm not gonna tell you. And then so. Like all the near games, of course. it's not yeah. a spoiler. There are multiple endings, and Dragon Guard Two is the sequel to one of those endings, and Near Replicant <laughs> is a sequel to a different ending of the same game. Dragon Guard Two is a dead end in the timeline, but it's like Dragon Guard One's gameplay made better, so it's a better game. But the story, the story isn't even bad, but like, it's not over the top crazy. I know that uh, at least Dragon Guard Three's translation is very bad at least in the u.s so what i'm what i'm trying what i'm trying to do is at one point in my life i will learn japanese and then i will be able to play a lot of jrpgs or japanese made games in their original language and if that matters to the game then i will play it then so in terms of dragon guard 3 i would like to understand what they're saying in the original language and not in the stupid Square Enix translation. Because I've seen some comparisons. Yeah. I've heard that the Japanese audio for Final Fantasy XV really paints the characters in a different light. I liked the voiceovers, the English ones, for Final Fantasy XV. I thought they had a really good cast. Now, I might be misinformed on this, but in XV, it was less that they had like changed the way things were like said or translated. And it was more that they like changed the personalities. So like yeah. things were more broish and right. like Americanized in the Western version, but <laughs> in the Eastern version, they were just like, I guess like good school pals or something. I, I actually don't remember what it was, but it, it was something different regardless. Yeah, exactly. It was less, it had it a was different less energy, like gay orgy and more like friends. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. With benefits. <laughs> Iris is still best Wait, girl. No, we but, can uh, talk about hey, Dragon Quest so Speaking of the Japanese... Hey, we could. Okay. But before that... <laughs> so, so, speaking of the difference between the English and Japanese translation, yeah. it's no secret that me and Victim are big fans of English voice acting. Mm-hmm. I think it can be done really well, if you care. Yeah. And the voice director cares. That's also really important. It's very easy to waste good talent. But one of the things that just doesn't translate, or at least I was told doesn't, was JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, which I recently started watching. I'm two seasons deep. Okay, so the the caveat to whether you watch JoJo subbed or dubbed is that both are funny. Both are great, but they're both very different. So the it, it's you, you honestly, if you want to get the full JoJo experience, you got to watch both. Interesting, because I know a lot of the jokes made about the show uh, are because of the ridiculous uh, antics of the Japanese voice cast and the way they pronounce things. Because the show is about fucking Englishmen, right? And and people who are not from Japan. So like some so there, there are some parts where they'll break out and they'll like speak English, like here and there with their crazy accents. Oh, it's beautiful. And but and then in the English, instead of that, it's them trying to find the right translation to them making weird manly noises. 
and it just never fits perfectly. And it's, it's just hilarious to listen to. Hmm. But I'm having a good time with it and I'm watching in Japanese. Normally I don't prefer that. Like I'm a big fan of like anime that gets really well done in English. Like they, they took their time and they obviously cared or like uh, the Acura movie or Cowboy Bebop. Wait, 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 wait. which, which Acura dub are you talking about? Because there are two of them. The Funimation one with uh, Johnny Young Bosch. The old one is a good one. I don't remember the new one. I'm talking about the, the old, old one. The old Acura dog uses actual children as the children. And the new one uses okay. adults as acting as yep. children. And they don't make good children noises. Yeah, because I, I think when they made the new one, or well, the newer one, it was still fairly old. And one of the issues with, I would say even up to like yeah. five years ago with English dub casts, is the directors yeah. didn't have a sweet fucking clue. And whenever the, you know, whenever there'd be a slip up, even if the voice actor caught it, yeah, the now, directors would be like, no, it's fine. A, that sounds great. You um, a, entirely mispronounced that name, but whatever. Quality. Well, I don't I don't know too much. I just I just go to subs for default. First first of all. Second of all, I don't even watch anime that much in the first place. So I mean so it's safer. It's Same. Like, I don't care anymore. I don't know as much anymore. Uh-huh. One thing I will stand by is that the recent Gundam shows mm-hmm. like Unicorn and The Origin. Mm-hmm are really good in English. Like they, the, the director for the voice in English is obviously really cares about Gundam and it ended up being a really good dub. Right. And I would recommend it in English. I haven't seen any Gundam. A, a lot more like serious shows lately have been done really well. It's usually like the comedy centric yeah. shows that end up not translating so well. And it, I mean, that's partly just because language barrier is always going to be a problem. Yeah, I was expecting JoJo to yeah. be some sort of like really bad meme show that people are just making fun of because ah, uh, ridiculously manly men are making repeat repetitive noises and it's funny and they have '80s music and it's like that is entirely why it's good because you went in with low expectations and I was blown away at how okay it was like yeah it, I I'm I'm having a good time I'm two seasons in anyway I want to hear about Dragon Quest Eleven well before I talk about Dragon Quest. I, I would like to say something about dubs versus okay. subs. Um, okay. Yeah, go for it. So most most of the time I go with subs because I can read. Some people can't read, and I appreciate that there are dubs for people who can't read while they're listening. Right. So sometimes they don't even want to. They want to look at what is going on and not look at the bottom of the screen and what the subs are saying. There are a few times when I acknowledge that. The English dub is better than the Japanese sub, or the Japanese dub. One case was uh, Xenoblade 2. When I played through it, I started, there's a, what, what was it, a one gigabyte download for the Japanese dub. So I downloaded that before I started playing, and I started playing with that, and it was not a very good dub. It was like they were mumbling over the, the, the syllables, and like, I, I've listened to enough Japanese and understand what, what it is that makes a bad, a really bad Japanese dub. Mm-hmm. And it sounded like they didn't really try very much. So I just switched back to the English English dub just just to see how it sounded. And, it, and then you had a good time. Yeah. It sounded really good. It sounded like, like Rex had a really good voice. And uh, Wait a uh, minute. What chapter what? were you in when you switched back? I was right I was right at the beginning. I okay, was the very very beginning. That first chapter is rough. His, is. his yelling, you can it, tell that that voice actor gets better at yelling 
but through that was his only yeah. issue in my opinion was the the yelling yeah rex's yelling is really weak to begin but it, it gets better i was i was listening to japanese in the first maybe 10 minutes and then i switched it back once i first had control so that that first fight with malos on the ship i wasn't even in japanese then i was on english by then yeah so in English, that scene is pretty bad because he does this like really flat screaming noise when he's charging, and it was bad. But it gets better. So I I I, I listened. I saw. Or I listened to how it got better, and some of the voice actors didn't get better. Some of the voice actors. Um, I don't want to say that Pyra didn't get better, but some of Pyra's lines weren't very good. And she was just kind of doing that vocal burn thing mm-hmm. where yeah, I was just, I was cringing at those lines. So, so you know what? Um, that reminds me. So Etika, rest in peace. All right. When chapter, what was it? Eight came along and you mm-hmm. see the green haired girl for the first time. Yeah. Right? Mithra asks Rex or the player really uh, what to call their ascended form. Pyra or Mithra, right? right. And I Pyra. chose Pyra because I was I was Camp Pyra all all game. Etika, rest his heart, he picked Mithra, and I watched the ending of the game from his stream just because I wanted to see his reaction because I like him, right? But the voice lines coming from Rex's voice actor when he's crying out Mithra's name because after that point he will always refer to her as Pyra or Mithra based on your choice. Mm-hmm. And there's two versions of every cutscene from then forward, and. It sounds so much better when he says Mithra. Really? It does. And and she shows up as Mithra in all the cutscenes where it's one or the other. And it, it there's no purpose for her being one or specifically. It's like if it doesn't matter, it's Mithra instead of Pyra. Like I'm Camp Numa. So I but like the the when you pick Mithra, like it's way better. And I was shocked. I'm like, my man Etika had better taste than me. And I have to admit, <laughs> I have to admit. Hey Amen. Etika always has better taste than everyone. It's just the law. I didn't warm up to Mithra until I played the DLC, which was pretty good. The DLC. I'm glad I bought it. Oh man, you should. You need to. It's so good. It is. It. But so much respect. I'm done with Dragon Quest or whatever else is nice. Tell me about Dragon Quest. Okay, let's hear it. Let's hear it. So tell me. I'm a. I'm a. I'm a big fan of Dragon Quest before I played eleven. I've played eight and a little bit of seven. Eight and a little bit of seven. What version of Seven did you play? I refuse to play. Uh, I think it was on a PS One. Okay, PS One version. That is the best version of the game. Um, oh, good. Seven is my favorite game in the series. Seven is also the worst game in the series. That reminds me and reminds See, me of me with Final Fantasy VIII. <laughs> I know it's bad, but it's my favorite. Yeah, Dragon Quest is fun because um, the first Dragon Quest game. I made a post about this earlier on Chip Poster Club. Um, Dragon Quest 1 is very fun because it's practically an arcade game. You can beat it in like three or four hours. I didn't know that. Uh, the, the, the worst parts of the game, you can just grind and then beat the, the boss, whatever boss you want to fight, right? All of the, you know, you just talk to all the NPCs and they tell you where to go. All the battle systems, there's, there is no party. There is one character. And that's you, and you just fight anything, and then if you're low on health, you use your heal spell. It's the easiest game ever. It's the easiest JRPG ever. Go for us um, and slay. So, so Dragon Quest One is 
highly recommend because it's so it's so damn easy and it's so damn fun just to just go through it. You know they released um they they released the first Dragon Quest game and several others uh, on the Nintendo eShop for the Switch. Yeah, kinda. Kinda? Is it worth my time? Sorta. Those yeah. games are on the Switch. Are the phone, the iPhone or Android versions? The iPhone are they slash bad? Android versions are based off of the Super Nintendo versions, kind of. They're a bit finicky. Those versions, not the Super Nintendo versions, the phone versions, they upscaled the sprites. And they upscaled, Ooh. they didn't upscale, they changed the text so that the text is rendered at full resolution, full 1080p. The sprites are hand-drawn. The backgrounds are pixel art. Other sprites, which are like character sprites and enemy sprites and stuff like that, are upscaled from the NES version. Backgrounds are the Super Nintendo redrawn versions. It is not the original version of the game. It is not even close to looking like the original version of the game. There are three to four different art styles that are conflicting on one screen at a time. It is the worst version to look at with your eyes. The Game Boy versions, which are in not black and white because they're, they were released in Game Boy Color, the Game Boy Color versions are easier to look at than the phone version, which is the Nintendo Switch version. Do not play the Nintendo Switch version if you respect how things appear on your eyes. That's pretty scathing criticism there. If you would like to suffer through emulation, how terrible emulation is, it is not very terrible, emulate the NES version or the Super Nintendo version or the Game Boy Color version of the first three Dragon Quest games. It is fully worth the slight amount of trouble you go through. Oh, I, I understand. Like I, uh, my most recent playthrough of Dragon Guard One uh, was on an emulator, and I, it it's was fine. It's always fine. It's always just just fine because it takes you less than an hour, or maybe an hour, to set it up, and you're playing it for way more than an hour. So it doesn't. It really doesn't matter for emulation. The same same thing goes with Resident Evil. Like the first the first three, honestly, the first five Resident Evils through zero. Just play it on an emulator. Doesn't matter. You're not going to spend that much time setting up the emulator to 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 go through to do that. Anyways, especially for the Nintendo yeah. consoles like the GameCube you're and so, the Wii. You're so easy to set up. Just just do it on an emulator. Anyways, the Wii is so broken, like oh, for yeah. emulation, that you can get online play working on emulators well, for the Wii. Wii online is off on official consoles, anyways. So when it existed. You could get it working on an emulator because it was that open to emulation. It was literally a GameCube. It's a GameCube that was open blocked. So, so let's fast forward. Let's fast forward back to Dragon Quest Eleven. Dragon Quest Eleven. Yeah, that was a pretty scathing criticism. I want to hear some good news. Tell me about Eleven. I don't want to keep talking about Dragon Quest Seven, but Dragon Quest Seven is my favorite game in the series because the first two hours you don't even go into combat. Wow. You you walk around this tiny little island and you walk into this dungeon which has no enemies in it and you push around blocks and you talk to NPCs. There is no combat in the first two hours of Dragon Quest VII. And then you realize, you don't realize, you, you, you progress the plot such that find out that 
the entire world is an ocean, is a sea, because some evil in the past has has deleted, has has sunken every single island of every other nation in that ocean, and it is your quest. Oh, damn! It is your quest to go back in time and to undo each one of these islands, each one of the tragedies that happened in each one of these islands that made them sink. So the first, I guess the first chapter of the game is just to go and search each one of these islands. You get a map sort of thing and you find each one of these islands and you, and you go through this event that happened in the past and you restore what had happened. And then you return back to the home base and you see how the world has changed since then. And so you slowly recover the world as it had been hundreds of years ago. And it's, it's like a, it was released on PS1. So it was after, after Mario 64, after Spyro and all those things, which were collectathons, mm-hmm. where the collectathon genre is you find, you collect stars or eggs or jiggies or whatever else in order to form a complete puzzle. In Dragon Quest VII, you form a puzzle of these different quests, these different little different little stories that form together. The you got to do them you all. You have to figure out all of them or in order to in order to progress. Could you do them in any order? No, there was one order. There's a it's, it's basically linear. Um so the 3 yes version uh, makes the game shorter because it takes out a lot of the bullshit. But ah, I liked the bullshit when I played through it. So I, that's a plus or minus. Oh, I get that. So let's fast forward. Every single Dragon Quest game has been remade, except for nine. Nine has not been remade yet, and ten is an MMO. So I don't think they're ever going to remake that. Wait, ten is an MMO? Is. What? It's not. It's also not translated. It's the only Dragon Quest oh. mainline game that we can't play. I had no yeah. idea. Anyways, one through eight have been remade. Eleven has been remade, kind of in terms of Definitive Edition S. So I'm playing Eleven right now, and it's great. The first chapter is a standard Dragon Quest game. There's a there's a Donkey review. I don't know if you guys have seen it. You guys even watched Donkey? Yep. Yeah, you guys have seen it. I um don't watch Donkey Not... that often because we um I respect his videos, but we don't like the same games. Same thing with me. I, I only watch it because it's just get so many views. So. It's funny, but like, you know, he didn't like Xenoblade. Well, of course not. That hurts me inside. I mean, his his video on criticism, on, on journalism, on criticism, is a good basis. Because he says people who like JRPGs would be able to understand that he doesn't like JRPGs. Therefore... Yeah, and then when his fans demand he review a popular JRPG, Therefore, he's not going to like he it. he doesn't like it. So then he likes Persona 5. Well, that's an exception. Therefore, someone who doesn't like JRPGs should play Persona 5. Right. Right. It's the same way with Yahtzee Korsha. Like, he really liked Portal. I think Portal was his first positive review. He basically shits on games every time. I like I liked him I liked him back in the day, and then I rewatched a lot of his videos yeah. recently. And I was like, yeah. I never really liked his format, but he's kind of a dick. Anyways, so so Donkey says that Dragon Quest XI is 
a PS2 game with the combat of an NES game. And that is almost true, but the mechanics of the NES game combat are based off of 7th gen or maybe even 8th gen design ideas. So there are so many little bits and pieces that go into how the design of Dragon Quest, specifically Dragon Quest Eleven, but also Dragon Quest Nine and Eight, that are just a little bit past the norm, a little bit past the what you think is standard for a JRPG. That I think, I think that Dragon Quest Eleven or the Dragon Quest series in general is industry standard, or even new to the industry. Like I think, I think it's like un underappreciated how advanced that Dragon Quest is. Dragon Quest takes mm -hmm. these concepts, these, these concepts of each character takes their own turn, just how combat is done, how interaction is done, in a very basic, like an NES game sort of way, as that's its front, that's its front mm -hmm. interaction. People, a lot of people see that and say, oh, this is a really archaic, really old game. But it's really not, because at, past that, past that interaction, you have something a lot deeper. Its crafting system isn't just a classic crafting system. There's something, there's something a bit further beyond that. You can improve it. There's a little mini-game past it. And you can improve a weapon based on how well you perform at the minigame. I've seen that done in other games, but it's a perfection of that sort of minigame. It's a, it's, a, it's a very, very good implementation of something that I've seen done before. The, the skill tree thing. I mean, Final Fantasy X had an awesome, amazing, maximalist mm -hmm. skill tree where you have so many, so many different paths that you can go through in Final Fantasy X. God, and, and to beat the super bosses, you need to fucking take a whole thing. Yeah. yeah. It was so cool to do in Final Fantasy X. Final Fantasy XIII, I will defend Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy XIII for some things, but for one thing. You know, that's funny because. So I, I liked Final Fantasy XIII, kind of. Like, I put it down for a long time when the world opened up, and I played a little bit of that. And I picked it up like a year later and finished it because I really wanted to play thirteen two. And thirteen two was like everything thirteen should have been, in right. my opinion. It was so good. Like but people who didn't like thirteen probably didn't buy it, and I thought that was sad. I played thirteen two before I finished thirteen. And then I went back and finished thirteen. <laughs> I don't blame you. Anyways, I, I I defend thirteen, but I don't think that it's a very good game. Um but thirteen had uh, had skill trees in the opposite way of ten, where it was like it was a very linear skill tree where you had certain routes you could go through and certain side paths you could go through. Dragon Quest XI has skill trees, but then it, it takes a different, almost a perfection of between 10 and 13. It doesn't, doesn't require you to really maximize your, your Final Fantasy X skill tree sort of path but it also doesn't limit you how far you go. So it's it's a it's a mm -hmm. it's a perfection of the skill tree, which has been used so many times in seventh gen and eighth gen games. But the way the way Dragon Quest Eleven uses its skill trees is just something that's very satisfying to use and something that's very perfect. Something that I don't understand how it could be better. 
So in terms of in terms of how you interact with this, with the skill tree, it's a very a very small part of the game is very well designed. That's really good. That's one of the things I didn't like about uh, Damon yeah. X Machina. The skill tree was very basic pitch. It it could be better, and it didn't let you preview what these upgrades did to your character. Like I remember, I did one upgrade, and it was like I could do this one or this one because they both lead me to the thing I want because it's a branching path, right? And like, if I knew I was going to be that ugly, if I took that power, I would have taken the other one. Right, because that affects your appearance too, right? Yes. Yeah. Like, because um, you get cybernetic enhancements to your body. Uh, at the end of it, you're completely robotic. Uh, but at the beginning, you're completely flesh. So like, Is I there any way to keep yourself flesh? Is there like a different route that you could take to keep yourself flesh? Or is it, do you always have to sacrifice um, there's a, there's a reset button, uh, that takes you back to, it costs money, uh, right. in-game money, of course, but, Same um, thing with you can re, uh, go back to your flesh body and you can simply not choose the upgrades and you can still be an ace pilot. That's valid. Okay. You can be okay. that guy and it's fine. <laughs> they're not required. Uh, and they're very minor upgrades too. It's mostly for min-maxing. Yeah. Which I yes. did for my melee damage, which made uh, melee hurt really bad and makes... That's pretty much how I beat the final boss, actually. I told I talked about it in the last episode that we recorded. Like, I was at, like, 10% health left, and I, I busted out the, the, the broadsword, and I fucking slashed that dude. And I had to take a screenshot, because I was like, damn, this is my first try, and I almost died. Like, <laughs> it was nuts. It was really satisfying, though. I'm glad I did it. I, I really like that game. But anyway, so DQ11... Yeah, so the so the skill trees aren't they aren't just min max. The the upgrades like there are there are a few upgrades that are like like with a certain weapon you can have more power, more attack power plus fifteen plus ten. But that's a, that's a substantial enough that you can notice the difference between it. You also get a currency for how much you spend in it. It's not just like you know one thousand out of twenty five thousand or whatever. It's like get three points each level up and then it's three to 20 points for one hex of the of the skill tree so it's a mm -hmm. it's a it's a very almost like almost like mario rpg or Super mario where it's it's a it's a very low number that you're upgrading by the amount you're upgrading by is substantial enough that you care where that increase goes some of them are are plus stats other ones are you get a new skill. Uh, in most of the characters, you have, or actually in all in all eight of the characters, you have at least three sections or quadrants mm -hmm. of the, the tree, where you can either go in weapon A or weapon B or some third skill, where like uh, the, the one of the girls. Every single Dragon Quest game has a girl dressed dressed up like a Playboy bunny, and oh, of that's course. amazing. That was the, my favorite part about Dragon Quest Eight was that that fucking Jessica. Oh my god, that that is attached to the charm skill, where you can have charm abilities, which is like kiss or butt butt bounce or stuff like that. And then there's also uh, like the thief skills, where it's like steal or things like that. I haven't actually upgraded him or magic. Black magic, white magic, whatever you want. You know, you can imagine you can imagine how the how the skills go. 
And, and the skills, again, it's something that's very predictable, something that's very standard, but it's, it's twisted in just that specific sort of way where you're thinking a bit more about how it works, a bit more about how that interacts with the bosses or with different enemies that you encounter on the field. It understands the difference between like that fan, Final Fantasy style where it's like reinventing mm-hmm. the wheel or that very standard style of classic Dragon Quest. It's, it's balancing between that traditional and new, and it's, it's, it's finding that very perfect spot at every, at every turn. Same thing, same thing goes with the story, where mm-hmm. I'm not going to spoil anything, but the, the first, first section is very standard. Sections, the second part, second act, gets weirder. It gets it. It looks a bit further beyond what you looked at in the first act. It changes how you observe things. Again, like if you're if you're someone like Donkey or someone who doesn't really care about JRPGs and is just clicking a through all the cutscenes, you're not learning about how all these cities work or about how all these characters interact with each other, and you don't you don't really care about the the world or the story. That's fine. Right. You just want to fight monsters. And if they enjoy it, I guess it's okay, but I think they're missing out. I mean, it tests your patience. I I love Dragon Quest VII because it it tests your patience. The the designers for Dragon Quest VII wanted to make the longest JRPG as they possibly could, and they did. They made a 120-hour JRPG in the PS1 era. So... They achieved that because they wanted to test your patience. Dragon Quest Eleven also tests your patience, but not in the same way that 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 Seven does. It, it tests your focus. It tests your ability to know what is going on in the story, what is going on in all these people's minds and all these people's observations. So when the story, when the when the world twists in a certain direction. How do how are people affected? How are how do people think about this sort of thing? And then it explores that. Yeah. Hey, victim. So if you stream Dragon Quest Eleven <laughs> and you are patient enough to actually get through it, maybe your RPG yeah, curse maybe. would be broken forever. What's your RPG curse? So a, a quick recap, just so I don't get go too far into it. Um, yeah. You have to explain this every episode. I bring it up. I love uh, it. But um, basically, uh, starting from about the age of eight. Up until probably like 24, 23, 24, I was unable to beat an RPG. I, if it was like something in my life, ripping the game from me, ripping my save file from me, or just straight up like forgetting and like losing data due to like a hard drive crash or something. I just, the world did not want me to beat an RPG. It wasn't until Xenoblade Chronicles 2 that I actually well, beat one. Can- or like I'm sure I've beaten others in the past, but it was that I think Near Automata too. Uh, those two it doesn't count. That's an action. Yeah, RPG. Well, that's that's an action game. Honestly, honestly, Xenoblade Two is an action game too. In a way, yeah, you're right. Uh, you should start with Dragon Quest One because that is the easiest, simplest JRPG. You should use a guide because yep. it wants you to use the manual in the first place. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing with like the old Zeldas. So just play Dragon Quest One with a guide. The guide will tell you. Uh, the guide will tell you if you are at X HP, heal. If you are not at X HP, attack. So 
that will be the easiest way to get through a traditional JRPG. Uh, Dragon Quest 3. Dragon Quest 2 is pretty good, but Dragon Quest 3 is the next good one, where you have, a, you have more of a story, where you have, um, uh, you have jobs that you can use before Final Fantasy actually did jobs. You had, you had jobs which would, would introduce how you interact with characters, interact with uh, enemies, and you built a party of your own. Dragon Quest V was the next one which had more of a story, which is like, a, like developing a character and how he's built through his lifetime. And then at the end of the game, in the DS version, you, get, you got to pick who you married at the end. That was fun. Oh man, um, romance options in the what was this, the Ness era? I'm pretty sure yeah. there's romance options in eleven too. So okay, so Trio Doug's not here. Maybe I should get him on the show sometime. Trio Doug has a fucking amazing voice. I would love to see him. I I heard his voice. When we were playing Risk of Rain. It's very beautiful. No, um, he would be disappointed in me if I didn't mention to you right now, victim, that you should also consider the Shin Megami Tensei games see, as well. Yeah, there's one big, big block right now. See, Shin, Shin Megami, I've always wanted to play. Ever since uh, I heard of Persona 3 back like early Halo 3 days, I was like, oh, that sounds like something I'd like. But with, with Dragon Quest, is, is, there is one issue. Now, I, mm-hmm. will, I will admit, hearing you guys hearing you guys talk about it, it, it sounds great. And what I've seen of 11, it looks like my game. Like I, I'm sure I'll love it. But I have to make a, a, a choice on principle. My my favorite anime and manga of all time is is being essentially killed by Dragon Quest, and I have to, uh, giving in. Giving in means what? that why I, I accept the fate of uh, no 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 uh, uh, Hunter X Hunter. So I forget his name. He's married to the Sailor Moon uh, creator. Wait, what does Hunter x Hunter have to do with Dragon Quest? He gets addicted to every new Dragon Quest that pops out, or every new remake. Every single Japanese man gets addicted to Dragon Quest. That's yeah, that's even... also true. But was, like, people made the joke about Berserk too, about how he, I think it was Berserk, where the guy got addicted to Idol Master, and he still <laughs> memes about it. I remember uh, Harada, the guy that made Tekken. Like, he had like some Idol Master girl as his like Twitter banner for a while. Yep. It was really, it was really <laughs> funny. He didn't, he never mentioned it. I I think in a tweet he just did it, and everyone's like, "Your Twitter banner is from Idolmaster." It's like, huh? All right. <laughs> I, I I'll admit that there's some there's some appeal to those games, but I don't know. I don't think I'd ever be caught playing them. Uh, anyway, you know, Harada will do what Harada will do. I don't question that man. I res- I respect him. Just aside though, I am quite excited for uh, Dragon Quest. Dragon Quest one of the classic, and honestly, as a as an American, you should still be able to play it because Dragon Quest 1 is based off of Ultima and Ah, Quest, perfect. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Ultima. Which are both, which are both Western games. So um, the designers of Dragon Quest 1 were thinking of in the Western mindset when they were making a Japanese game. So in all, for all intents and purposes, it is a Western game. Western RPG. Just mod in some like maple syrup and Canadian flags, and I think you'll be fine, victim. <laughs> I mean, I, I should be fine. I'm I'm a I'm a pretty big fan of like old janky games to begin with. I mean, I mean, it's yeah. not necessarily it's old, not, but it's like it's not janky at all because it's meant to be played with a controller. I mean, it, I mean, it's not as mm-hmm. old, but like Dwarf Fortress is the one I always go back to. Like, I had so much fun oh, with yeah. that game. Like. I didn't even understand what I was doing half the time, and I still had fun. I remember you and Destiny and a couple other Melmancers were like 
passing around a save file yeah. and like trying to keep a fort alive as long as you could. <laughs> I'm just glad it died after after my reign because that was like someone was very new to it and I was really afraid to fuck that up. I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> I'm glad Destiny didn't either. I don't remember whose reign it was that messed it up. But she was really happy that it wasn't her either. <laughs> uh, anyway, so DQ11, it might be the next Switch game I buy. Uh, I beat Astral Chain and I beat Damon X Machina. Well, okay, so do you like turn-based RPG? Well, yeah. I mean, I really like Dragon Quest VIII. <laughs> okay. I, I don't need to be convinced. I, I know DQ11 is going to be good. I just almost yeah. bought it on PS4, but I had just bought a Switch, and it's like, I, so, I don't want to buy more PS4 games. I want to put my PS4 in a box and never look at yeah, it Yeah, same. The Switch is so good. Switch version has a lot of quality of life improvements. For example, mm-hmm. um, when you're riding on your horse in the overworld, which is most of the time, if you don't want to be walking around, you can pick up items, which before you had to get off your horse, which is a one-second animation, pick up the item, and then get back on your horse with a one-second one animation. Mm-hmm. That's a, a bunch of bullshit. You can also listen to symphonic music. There's a big, there's a big controversy between the composer of the music of Dragon Quest. Oh. Before PS1 days, the composer made symphonic music, right? So mm-hmm. he made symphonic music, and that was cool because it was for NES games, and then he made the symphonic music, and then the developers had to make a MIDI version of that and put it on the NES or the Super Nintendo. That was fine. And the PS1 came around, and now it can play a recorded a Red Book audio version of that music. And he said, wait a second, I make a lot of money off of CD sales or audio sales of this music. I don't want to just sell that with the game, right? Mm-hmm. So since, I, I'm not sure, I'm not exactly sure whether the PS1 version had the symphonic, the, an actual recording of the symphonic audio, but definitely in the PS2 version, and since then, in the PS4 version, uh, the symphonic audio was a separate CD that you had to buy for $60, and the, the, the game itself was a MIDI, was a really shitty audio mm-hmm. version of the music that was originally directed for the music. For the game, because the composer wanted to make money off of the music that he composed. Interesting. So, the PS4 version of the game and the PC version of Dragon Quest XI have the really bad MIDI audio version of the music. Didn't the remake of Eight do something with the MIDI files too? Come and think of it. The Steam version of Final Fantasy VIII, way before all this remake nonsense, had the MIDI files for the music, which sounded like ass and on the ps1 version like it was still the mini files but since it was a ps1 it like played them beautifully uh cd audio but go on that was a funny thing with the 3ds versions where the 3ds version and the in the japanese yeah sorry hold on i'm drunk um (laughs) me too man it's okay the, the ps2 reset PS2 version of Dragon Quest VIII in Japan had MIDI audio. Really bad. I mean, not really bad. It was it was the symphonic version, but it was MIDI audio, so it didn't sound good. The US version of the PS2 Dragon Quest VIII was symphonic audio. Because it was released later, 
and there was less licensing fees because reasons. Fast mm-hmm. forward, what, what, 10 years? The 3DS version of the Japanese Dragon Quest VIII was symphonic audio, even though it was on cartridge, so it took up more space. The American version of Dragon Quest VIII on 3DS was MIDI audio only for some reason, even though American had never gotten the, the MIDI audio. They had only gotten the symphonic version in PS2. So, hmm. so people were pissed off. They were like, why are we getting the shitty version of the 3DS audio? Well, because the 3DS cartridge that supports the larger file size that's required for the symphonic version is just too much, and we don't want to invest that. So then they just didn't. <laughs> I, I get it. Like, cartridges, you know... The cartridge has a lot to do with the quality of the game. Like, I remember back in the 64 days, like, you know, some games are pricier because they had more chips in their little yep. cartridges to make and the game work. Somewhat with a Sega, right? too. That's also why they had they sold that, like, jumbo pack for the N64 you put in your controller that, like, supposed to boost your game as well or yeah. something. Like, was that I, the I, I think, I There was, was one for the yeah, controller and one for the system as well. I think it was just RAM. Well, the one with the controller was not RAM. I don't know what that one was. Or at least it, it might have been RAM, but I, don't, I, I know the one on the, on, the, on the console itself was RAM, though. I don't know. I don't know, man, but we've been rambling for about two hours. Dragon Quest XI is fucking awesome. Play it if you like turn-based RPGs. If you don't like turn-based RPGs and you want to get into turn-based RPGs, play Dragon Quest One. If you like Dragon Quest One, play Dragon Quest Three or Five. That's my bit. Mm-hmm. On to talking about shit I don't care about. Wait, no, maybe shit I care about Spyro. I like Spyro. Oh, do we have time for Spyro? We have time for Spyro. What the fuck, Spyro? Like, I love Spyro. I played the first three so many times when I was a child. They released the remaster. I haven't bought it yet. I plan on it eventually. However, I'm worried about it because it's in the fucking humble bundle. A month after releasing at what was it? Full price? Half price? Forty bucks? Sixty bucks? I don't know. Yeah. So it's the same. the The same team that did the Crash remakes did the Spyro. I thought that was pretty good. the The Crash ones were they pretty were kind of good. good. I thought. They fucked with the physics, which makes which makes it work differently from the original. It it made it harder, didn't it? Or well, in some areas. They faithfully recreated all the levels, but they gave the physics of the third game to all three. <laughs> so it's kind of like Metal Gear Solid Twin Snakes, where Twin uh-huh. Snakes was a remake of Metal Gear Solid 1. One-to-one with enemy placement, with how the events work and all the other stuff. They changed the cutscenes, sure, but they also changed how the gameplay works, where you can now aim in first-person mode, and you can... Slide right. off ledges and stuff like that, but they didn't adjust balance. Just like in the second one, that. So, so the guards are still just as right. stupid as in MGS One, even though you have the capabilities in MGS Two. So then the game is super right. So easy. it becomes a cakewalk. Inverse right. happens with Crash Bandicoot Three to One, where you now have the capabilities of Crash Three in the platforming of Crash One, where it's assuming that. Are floatier than normal, right? Or that hit right. So those levels yeah. that are heavy on the yeah. on the platforming, like those bridge levels, are really unnecessarily difficult. Um, you can still cheese them, like in the old days, but it's harder to do that even. And it's like you get to that point in the first Crash game, and you're like, I'm gonna go play Crash Two, 
and then it's just fine. Yeah, it sounds to me like they enhanced it, but that's only because I'm a I'm a masochist. Right. So the graphics are more enhanced, and I love that. Yeah, you you're a masochist victim. You like Dark Souls, so I mean, I get it. Well, not even just Dark Souls, but like just anything <laughs> difficult, anything that really challenges me. Mm-hmm. I got a, I had a friend at my old job uh, that that was like that. He um he only played difficult video games and that were really punishing because he's like it feels really good when you win. So he was like really into like Mega Man, Dark Souls. Oh my god, Mega Man! I I binge played one through nine. That was the most difficult thing had to do in platforming i don't know why i subjected myself well, to that mega man one is is bad but two two is two is all right well it, oh, yeah. yeah one is one was pretty... unless you were playing the japanese version no it was the the re, the bundled version that they did like uh like five or the legacy whatever. edition it's, I, I think legacy edition has like the, the u.s version and the japanese version and then on the U.S. version, normal mode is easy mode, so it should be it should be good enough. It should be it. I, I think that's a that's a good difficulty. Three and on are harder, yeah. Yeah. But two two gets you two gets you you know prepped for it. But about Spyro though, why? Yeah. Do do you know? Like, can you tell me what the deal was with the humble bundle? Do you know about that? Uh, I don't know. I heard about it from second hand. Like I don't really know the details, but it sounds to me like this game released either full price sixty bucks or forty bucks. I don't remember. I think it was forty. See, but... here's the thing: the current humble bundle is Call of Duty World War Two, which is what two two years ago, one year ago, uh, almost two, I think. And then Crash M Same Trilogy, which is that was two years ago, right? Yeah, yes. two years. And then Spyro, which is like a month ago. Yeah. That was longer than a month. These games all have one thing in common, Activision. Well, I think it's been like a month and a half now, but yeah. Some people are just upset when they buy something at what is full price. You know, they buy it at launch, they pre-order, and then it goes on sale. So last last month, I got the Humble Bundle because it had Slay the Spire in it, and that was it. So I thought Slay the Spire worth, was worth the however much I paid for it. How much did you pay for the shit? $10? It's something like that. It's not very much. Yeah. Slay the is fucking awesome. I recommend it. But yeah. Um, yeah. That wasn't last month. That was two months ago. But yeah. Crash is worth it. Call oh, of Duty yeah. never... Literally every single Call of Duty on PC never goes under $10. Yeah. Right. one is $10 at its lowest. Every single sale. Yeah. I don't really give a shit about Call of Duty, but I do like playing it when it's new. That's something me and my brother-in-law do. We live together. We sit next to each other on our computers. It's totally different than if I was playing alone. If I was playing alone, I probably wouldn't buy it. I give a shit about Call of Duty in the same way I give a shit about Final Fantasy XIII, same way I give a shit about Minecraft. Modern Warfare 1, Modern Warfare 2 are good single-player campaigns. Black Ops and Black Ops Zombies are good, are just good games just good good things to play mm-hmm. they are they are good seventh gen game design i i will i will support them what did you think about black ops 4 which did not have a single player campaign i didn't i did not play black ops 4 i did not play that, black ops 2 even that's I fair really care after after much of that but i will de- i will defend some of the earlier not even earlier just early to mid call of duty i will defend that Spent a lot of time playing Call of Duty Finest Hour, which I think was like the second or third one. It was, it was like third. 
I think it was the third. No, it was the second one because the, lo- the the third one was Big Red One. Yeah, yeah. Big Red One was on it was console exclusive, wasn't it? Yeah, and then they made Call of Duty Two for like the 360 or something. I played Call of Duty Finest Hour so many times. It was it was one of those games my dad had. My parents divorced when I was pretty young, and I, I spent a lot of time between their two houses. And my dad had an Xbox, and I had a PlayStation with my mom. And so we'd go over there, and it, it had like a co-op campaign, and we would just play it all the time. That and Halo Two. It was fun. Yeah, it's cool. I had a lot of fond memories. I know, objectively, Finest Hour may not be their finest hour. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? It was fine. And it was pretty good. But speaking of um, the Spyro thing with the Humble Bundle, it reminds me a lot of um, what's going on right now with Destiny 2. So Destiny 2, if you don't know, uh, recently had an update. It's weird because they they kicked off Activision as their publisher. Good riddance. They're self-publishing without Activision at all. And ever since then, they first, they went to Steam, wasn't on Steam before, and then they added cross-save. So let's say you had all your hours in Destiny 2 on Xbox One, and you wanted to play with your friends on PC. You could go, turn your PC on, install the game, log into your account, which is tied with your Bungie thing, and um, you'd have to rebuy the expansions, but the stuff that's free, which is most of the game, you can take your character from Xbox and you can play them on PC. And then when you're done playing with your friends, you can go back on Xbox and play the expansions you already bought. Yeah, that's good. That's awesome. And the progress maintains. It's not cross-play, but it's fucking close. And they're getting there. Cross-play's coming, I think. I, I will give Destiny shit to the, to the day I die, but that's just because I, I fucking hate the idea of looter shooters. I think that, like, it just it, it doesn't mm-hmm. work. I, 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 I don't think that having randomized stats and a gun that should just kill when I hit you with it. Or like within reason should kill you and hey with it because I'd say Halo is like the bar of like time to kill that I'm mm. okay with, but uh, but yeah no I think that them you know splitting off has really done well for them they've they've done good now and as right. a company Bungie's always been good yeah. they've just I just I just personally dislike and think that they did wrong by making Destiny when they could have just made something not not halo but you know something in that vein they made wrong by pairing with activision that is also right yeah i'm still mad they didn't give destiny a free copy of (laughs) destiny because she posted on their facebook page because destiny the video game came out on destiny my wife's birthday and she was like hey you should give me a free copy coming on my birthday both games came out september 9th (laughs) fucking hell she should have gathered like uh, you know, sixty thousand model caps instead. <laughs> I know. At least Bethesda had the decency to to give that guy a free copy. Listen, Bethesda might be in like some hot water with what they've been doing recently, but old old Bethesda before Zenimax really got their hands like nice and tied around its neck, where where it was a good company. You know that reminds me. So uh, I'm going to talk more about our friend Rick from the previous episodes. We were talking about his relationship struggles and his redemption, right? Or the girl's redemption arc, right? So uh, one thing that he told me. Because I was telling him about how, you know, me and my brother-in-law were going to be playing the new Call of Duty. We pre-ordered it. And it's it sounds like cancer. Like, why did I do that? Well, first of all, I pre-ordered it before all that China shit. And second of all, it doesn't matter how good the game is if you're playing with somebody else in, like, the same room, I think. And uh, I think our friend Rick really exemplifies this. Because he and his girlfriend have been playing Fallout 76 oh boy. together. Listen, I, there's a philosophy. And, and this, this ties directly into what you're talking about, Dylan. There's a philosophy that any game on the planet as long as there's multiplayer and you're playing it with someone that you enjoy spending time with it's going to be an amazing fucking game even if it is the worst game on the planet yeah 
And I think that's really true because like they're actually enjoying Fallout 76, but they're only enjoying because they're playing it together in person. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? Who am I to tell them they're wrong? It's fine. I'll do it for you. <laughs> Fuck Rick, off. you're wrong. <laughs> okay. It's fine though. Being being wrong is is right nowadays. So. That's the reason why, in spite of all this China shit and fuck Blizzard, by the way, like I didn't refund my purchase of Call of Duty. I'm still gonna play it. I deleted everything off my computer. I'm not much for activism anymore. Like like not Activision, but act activism. But there, there's a point where I already disliked Blizzard, and if they're gonna pull a lot of that bullshit, I'm just not gonna touch their games. It, it's just like I'd rather be on the right side of history. Than the wrong, yeah. and I think this is a very clear cut issue. Um, I have nothing, nothing against Chinese people. I have a lot of, I've had a lot of Chinese friends over the years. Uh, I learned, I went to, took Chinese classes in school. But the Chinese government is a pile of fucking shit, and and their their corporations or their the CEOs that run those corporations are just as bad. I don't know a single Chinese person that supports that government. Of course, all the Chinese people I know live in America. In China, there's a lot of brainwashing. Obviously, well, I say brainwashing, but like. You're not allowed to talk bad about your government. So if nobody ever talks bad about your government, you're going to grow up thinking your government's great. So, well, yeah. And if yeah. you talk bad about the government, your social credit score goes down. You can't get a loan. Yep. People don't hire you. It's just, or you get, you know, awful. you end up dead in an alleyway somewhere. Yeah. And that's not even hyperbole. Apparently that happens. Apparently it's happened in Hong Kong already, too. It's fucked up, man. Fucking Blizzard, man. How dare they? <laughs> Blizzard is responsible for all this. Not the government. Of course. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So, anyway. Uh, if Blizzard doesn't do anything to like come out of this PR nightmare on top, I'm probably not going to buy the next one. Oh, definitely don't buy the next one, but you can buy this one. Though. <laughs> They've already doubled down there, Dylan. I've already bought this one. It's not a matter of if. I've already done it. Did you hear about um, uh, Crash Team Racing? They added, uh, they added microtransactions to that. I'm so upset. Fucking my fa- one of my favorite racing games as a kid, and they fucking do that to it. And the best part was they they released the game without all of that, so that the reviewers could rate it well. And then they added it they after literally the, the Call of Duty rated it. That's what Black Ops 4 did, and I'm really mad that they did that. Except Call of Duty, don't, everyone has already written that off. Right. At the end of the day, call it, we already knew Call of Duty was going to do something scummy, so it's a little easier to write it off. And you know what's what's really shitty is that the devs, B-Box, right, they, uh, in response to the backlash, said, okay, we won't do the microtransactions, but we're going to do fewer Grand Prix, which introduces more content to the game. Exactly. Uh, and then Activision said, no, you take that back. You're adding those in. And then B-Box was like, I'm sorry, we take that back. We're adding them in. I'm sorry, Daddy Activision told yeah. us they need the, the money. The devs wanted to say no. <laughs> Nobody's going to buy it. And they had to go back on <laughs> it. Free, free game isn't going to buy their cigarettes for them. It sucks because it's like, wow, Activision really does pull the strings. Like, they tried to take it back, and then Activision said no. And that's really shitty of Activision. But good on the devs for trying. I mean... Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's something people miss a lot, is the de- the devs in most games, unless it's Bioware, which I'm, I can we can talk about that another time. Bioware is shit. And I, I hate them, except the Austin branch. Apparently, they were like, "Well, I don't hate Bioware. I hate EA for what they have made Bioware be." I hate EA. I hate the people who are still at Bioware who have decided that EA is good for Bioware. There's that too. That that, that is another part of the problem for sure. So I hate Bioware. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Oh, we all hate Bioware. Don't worry about that. No, but um, like I was saying, so with Spyro and the whole. Humble Bundle, oh, now you can get it for cheaper on PC. Like, that's one thing, but, like, with Destiny 2. So, 
Destiny 2, I've always viewed as a failure. Because the base game I heard wasn't very good. I didn't know. I didn't play it. But you know what? Now that it's free to play, I played through the vanilla campaign, and oh my god, it's garbage. Holy shit. It is absolute ass. If, I would have warned you, but uh, Hydra would have just yelled me down. I know. So I just decided, you know what? But you know what? I didn't pay for it. If I paid $60 and that was it, it's that and then some end game, I would have refunded it. it that's fucking yeah. nuts. And then... I, I couldn't stand it. There's two more campaigns included in the free-to-play package where um, the first two expansions of the game are also made free-to-play. I have not started them yet. Also... I logged in on my first day with a higher gear score than Hydro. Let that sink in, victim. Hydro, who, yep. who was dedicated to Destiny from like the original game. He's like, what do they call it? Five-year and eight-year play? Whatever the fuck it is, right? Because you transfer your character over or whatever the fuck, right? So yeah. he's like a super veteran of the game. And his gear score before New Light came out was like, I think like 700 or something. And I, I start... With basic bitch weapons, 750. You can't go below 750. I can take on all of the end game before this most recent expansion that came out with New Light without grinding at all. I can just participate right away. Things will finally not feel like a bullet sponge until you get to even even further late game. Mm -hmm. I breezed through the initial campaign. Dude, if I had to grind in the original campaign, I would have hated it even more. But fortunately, I didn't. I, I played it at launch. Because Hydra bought the game for me. He bought it for me, and I think he bought it for someone else. And then we played with Hydra. Mm -hmm. Or, I, we, yeah, obviously we played with Hydra. Jesus, no, we played with Haxon, sorry. <laughs> and I, I don't remember what Haxon's take on him was. I don't think he liked it too much. But it's not his kind of game in the beginning of it, realistically. So that, that was probably inevitable. Mm -hmm. But for me, you know, you know, I'm, Halo was my, my thing back in the day. And one through three were, like, my favorite games growing up. But I just couldn't do it. I just mm. like Bungie. What, what what were you thinking? Like first off, the story is bland. It's non-existent. You're throwing factions at me left and right, and there's no retroactive like story to tell me. And I get it. I know. I'm playing two in a game with a one, but like there was nothing. Nothing. To, they didn't even make an effort to try and teach yeah. me about this. You shit. know what they did? They took an effort to if you imported your character from Destiny One, the dialogue would have been different the NPCs would have treated you as though you know what's going on and they wouldn't actually, the very little that they did to explain what was going on as you introduce new factions, they would say something different because the game acknowledges that you already know this. But the effort they made for new players was so weak. It's like, I go to a new planet and it's like, oh, a new kind of enemy, the Taken, okay, they're like ghosts. Next planet, oh, they're like robots, okay. And like, I fucking hate those too. Mm, yeah. Apparently, they can see the future and they know all possible outcomes. Whatever. Like, How the fuck am I killing them? Like, what? <laughs> Whatever. I don't care. I don't know. The, I mean, there's apparently yeah. a reason, but it's really weak. The vanilla campaign was awful, and I'm really glad I didn't pay for it. But you know what? I'm having fun. Like, I I'm still playing it. Like uh, the the daily grind and like the the daily activities, they're a lot of fun and. I don't know. I don't think I'm going to stop just yet. I think I'm going to keep going because Warframe, Warframe is in a really weird place right now because they're in the middle of another content drought. I mean, they have their dailies, the Nightwave, right, which has sparked some new life in the game. But they're right on the verge of releasing a big major release, Empyrean, where you're all going to get ships that you can fly through open space and you can go to where the missions are and start them. And it's seamless. Like, 
the demos suggest. You just fly around naturally and you do some stuff, just like you used to click through menus to do. Watch it get gutted on release because they or delayed by a year. Yeah, because they either they jump the gun because Destiny Two is taking their market share because it's free now, or they you know delayed even longer and then people have forgotten about Warframe by the time it comes out. It's like Destiny Two has put them in a really weird position because everyone who was Warframe faithful, who was bored at the content drought, is like you know Destiny Two is free. I don't have to pay anything. I can try it. Right. I mean, let's be honest though. Is Warframe even really remembered right now? Not really. I mean, it, it is pretty much in the dark it's still pretty high um concurrent users on steam charts though it has fallen in recent months uh it's still very consistently up on the top yeah but how many of those are new new users probably none or well probably a few realistically but Uh not a ton either way yeah the new player experience in warframe is very bad so like new players will log in they won't understand what's going on they won't know what to do and then they'll quit unless the gameplay is really entertaining to them early on and then they might stick with it which new players have you know reported that warframe's new player experience is not very good right and veterans know it everyone knows it like most people that stick are because they have a friend who's already in they have their in they may not be end game but they're not at the beginning anymore. And they'll tell their friend that's new, I want you to keep doing this because it's a lot of fun and I'll help you. But if you're alone, you're not going to stick with it because it's not that fun. Yeah, and getting into the guilds now, like most guilds don't even really matter except for like what they have. So if right. your friends want to start up a guild, well, you're already at a disadvantage when you, if, you, know, you basically need to join an established guild in order to get the full benefits of the game even. Right. And I mean, we have one of those. I'm still in it. I'm still the founder. We also have a lot of claim to fame that we can pull on if we really wanted to, like, re- revive our guild, too. Is Yeah, like, our dojo is fucking huge. Like, it's big dick energy, man. Like Big dick we, energy, that, and we, we are, like, we spent one of so the top raiding guilds back when raiding existed. And they took raids out. Rest in peace. Warframe raids. Oh, my God. But we were there, and... I, I will never join another clan because it's like, I, we need to preserve this. <laughs> but like, so so with Destiny 2, like their approach to raiding and I guess dungeoning, they call it something else, called strikes or whatever. Like, it's fresh. It's a fresh take on how Warframe could be better. And I know they're two totally different kind of games. They're both looter shooters. Warframe is a totally different game. But like, it fills that same hole in me. And so I've been playing Destiny 2 instead of Warframe in the time that I would normally spend to Warframe. Because Warframe isn't really entertaining right now because I've plateaued. I'm not max rank, but I have endgame stuff that fits my niche playstyle where I can beat any challenge in the game without having to get new stuff. So it's like, what is there for me to do other than wait for story content that may not be good? Get better gear to fight the same thing you'll be fighting to get that gear? Yeah, I'm not into that. So I've been playing Destiny 2, and it's like Destiny 2 doesn't force that kind of stuff on you, especially with the new new light. Like you start endgame ready for all the old endgame. The new endgame will take a lot of work, and I've seen some videos about how to get there, and it's like that's a lot of time. I'm probably not going to get there for a while, and I'm okay with that, especially because I haven't bought anything. I might buy Forsaken. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Probably going to buy Dragon Quest XI first. Can I just say, though? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> a, a, yeah, a gameplay loop that is reliant on efficiency and only efficiency. I mean, efficiency in general is not a bad thing, but if it's only efficiency, that's not cool. It's, that's not 
that's not really content. And I feel like things like WoW, things like Destiny, they, I guess MMOs are really bad for it, but even like other games that do it should really learn from that. And like, if you want to make content, there should be something above what you're doing always. And I know MMOs have a harder time doing that because it's a lot, a lot larger of a development cycle, but I think it's something necessary for them to move forwards. The problem with MMOs is that you have a bunch of people with no lives who just rush through all the content There's as quickly as they possibly can. And then they start complaining. Because that's one of the good things with 14 is yeah. that, I mean, while yes, they do eventually come out with what they call ultimates, which are like so stupidly hard that like it, people take a long time to beat them. Uh, where even like up to this point, like only like a small handful of people have beat them. It's when you get to the end, then you don't really feel like this weird need to just keep going because you're at the end until new content comes, which is ballsy for them because they definitely lose money on doing that. That's how I feel with Go Wars 2. It's like I have a single character that has map completion, including some of the areas from like season one that you can't revisit, right? And so because of that, I only played that character and I got map completion on all the new stuff that came out in chunks over time. And so it's like bite-sized content that I could just really quickly complete to have that one complete character that's like six years old or whatever. And it's like, that's cool. But, you know, after this most recent story ended, it's like, will there be more that's any good? I don't know. Especially with that director guy leaving. That's kind of scary. Yeah. And he left for a really good reason, too, which is even shittier, mm-hmm. which I'm, I'm excited it, to see what he does. Yeah. He left to create a new studio. He didn't retire. He left ArenaNet and he was the guy in charge. Something's gone wrong. Yeah, and it's because they shut down his game and then laid off all of his people. I don't blame him. He, he essentially took a stance by what he did. And, and because he you know, was willing to continue his production on that game, he basically lifted a giant middle finger to NCSoft and ArenaNet, which NCSoft is Korean, but they might as well be Chinese sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking China, man. What the hell? All China. How did things get so bad? I mean, to be honest with you, if you go look up like what all Tencent has money in, almost anything and everything you've done or do in a daily life is influenced by them in some way. If not them, NetEase or some other big dog Chinese company. But, you know, it's it's, it's, it's unavoidable because of the way that uh, we run our markets. Like when the Chinese market crashed, that was one of the, the things that hurt the Canadian dollar that fucked us so hard. Not Not the sole reason, but one of the reasons. There are many reasons why your dollar is fucked. And I feel very yes. bad for you that full price games are $80 or more. 80, oh my <laughs> God. Like if I want to buy Dragon Quest Eleven, it's going to cost me 80 plus tax. I know. And your wages in Canada did, did not get better. So nope. games are just more expensive for you. That's just fun. It's like, it's awful. That's why I love that Twitch pays me in uh, American dollars. I get to pretend yeah. I'm American now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a slow start, I'm sure. But like those dollars add up fast when you're Canadian. <laughs> well, you can just drive south and then then drive back up. That might save you twenty dollars. That too. That's just so sad. That reminds me, like in, in Washington State, I, I have some family that lives pretty pretty far south, close to the uh, the the border of Oregon, and they'll they'll drive down across the border to buy all their stuff just because there's no sales tax. <laughs> yeah, apparently, uh, people in California will drive across to Arizona to get gas. That's just yeah, sad because it's like way cheaper. Do they do it to shit too? Because otherwise they just shit in the street. <laughs> Might as well. Because uh, Dream was telling me about it. Apparently somewhere where he lives uh, or used to live or something, he knew that there was two gas stations literally within eyeshot of each other. 
and one of them was like four bucks a gallon or something, and the other one was like a dollar. And it's just because one was across the border and the other one wasn't. That's fucked. Oh like in your mind, you're thinking like, how the fuck are they even still in business? What? But yeah. It, the other thing that Washington State has going for it, we have a lot of native reservations up here and there's no sales tax there either. So like if you want to get like some liquor, you could go there and pay way fucking less for the same volume. The grocery stores are finally able to sell it. Talk to me about bottle return. I drive, I drive down to Wisconsin and then buy all my beer and then drive back up. Uh, and and amazing ten cents, Michigan. Fucking nice. awesome, man. It's only I'm, ten cents I'm when you're joking. buying that much. I'm it's joking. cool. I don't drive. I don't drive Wisconsin for for oh, okay. five cents <laughs> per can. Dude, one time at an Albertsons, there was like this one like native girl that worked there, and I remember that. So in the native reservations, they uh. They can fish all year round. They don't oh, have yeah. fishing laws like the like the federal government does. And so, like, she was selling like little like baggies of smoked salmon out of season, and it was like a drug deal. I, I bought that fucking salmon, and it was fucking delicious. And I regret nothing, but it was like really shady. <laughs> I, I hate that. I we uh, yeah, you know that's a, that's another that's another topic for another day. But I was at a grocery store buying a dime bag of smoked salmon from this weird native girl. Oh no, I don't hate that. <laughs> sorry, I was I was gonna get into like how I hate how we, like Canada's way worse for it. You guys don't even don't even have a fucking clue. Like how we forced them into a corner, like we did. Like I hate it. Oh, you guys really fucked your natives. Too. Oh yeah, okay. So you guys may have committed genocide, <laughs> but us Canadians, no, we committed gen like fucking what's it called? Um, biological biological warfare slash genocide we were mean about it you guys just killed them <laughs> which is not good but it's definitely a little better but it's okay because you were sorry about it later right <laughs> yeah really we've apologized like eight <laughs> times by now since like 2008 those are really heavy subjects that shouldn't be laughed about but i still laughed it's I, to, to be honest with you laughing at anything does not make you a bad person it just means that uh, you're able to find humor and in, in, in a silver lining to something you find humor in the absurdity. Yeah, you, you find right. You find humor, victim. You find humor in the the absurdity of the atrocities your government has committed. Oh yeah, and when I when I said it, I had a giant fucking grin on my face. And it's not because of that. Oh, that's fucking great. No, it's because like I'm, I'm like I don't know how. Just hate the government. How, how does this get glossed over? <laughs> right. It you don't support these things it, exactly, and you can still laugh at them. It's fine. I, I feel like a lot of people miss that like nuance or that. Uh, yeah mannerism when like someone makes like a i don't know like i'll just go as as, as, as extreme as i can and when someone makes like a like a racist joke i guess and someone's oh so you hate all of x race it's like well no no i don't why would you think that just because i made a joke doesn't mean i need to think that what the fuck i, I get it man <sighs> it's just the current year yeah, that said I, I i don't make racist jokes anymore in disclaimer I say anymore, but I, I think I don't know if I ever talked about this. I had a, a, one of my uh, my African American friend, Wink, my black friend Kevin. <laughs> he was such a cool dude. He saved my life. I felt I was gonna fall into an ice lake with big ass winter clothing on, so I would have been dragged to the bottom. I would have drowned and uh, or froze to death, one or the other. Saved my life. Total fucking chill dude. To this date, he he kind of hates me bringing it up because he doesn't really feel like he, he did anything special. But he almost fucking fell in himself doing it. So he definitely did do something special. He almost killed himself yeah, killed, yeah. helping me. You know, when, uh, when you started this story, 
I thought you were going to tell the story about your black dick. Oh, no. that Maybe I won't talk about that one for stream. Maybe. Maybe one day. You'll have to get me drunk first. <laughs> we're, we're, we're not on Twitch. It's okay. That's fair. You, you can say these things. But um, another day. Another time. <laughs> okay. That's a fucking weird thing for you to remember. <laughs> of course I remember. It was a great it's, story. Yeah, okay. it's fine. But no. Um, we'll save it for another time. So the other, the other thing, though. Um, so, you know, and he used to. He came in one day when we were in a stairwell in high school, like grade nine, I think. Um, and we were, we were saying uh, black jokes specifically. And he came in and he's like, oh, hey, what are you guys talking about? And we all felt really guilty. We felt fucking stupid. Remorse. You know, it's how I knew that even when we were saying racist jokes, none of us were racist because we felt bad about it. <laughs> Anyways, so he, he, he knew what we were saying. It was the, the gist of it, right? And he came up to us. He's like, no, guys, go ahead. Like, tell me some of these jokes. I want to hear them. So we're like, okay, man. And we just told him some of the jokes. We're like, you know, kind of like felt real like shitty about it. He fucking laughed harder than we did. He thought they were great. And then he gave us a couple of white jokes. We're like, wait, people make white jokes? Those are fucking great. Why haven't we heard these before? You know, it's like, amazing. Know, we, we basically like shared in, I guess if you want, if you want to like label that racism, we shared in our racism. It was a, a common ground, if you will. But no, he, he was great about it, and he's even talked about it uh, a bit on Facebook. Um, I think he's kind of gone a little woke, if you will. I'm not sure about it, like his, his living situation. I think he's uh, he might be married or like engaged with a woman who already had a kid, and he's been like basically acting as father for this kid and stuff. And from what I hear, he's been doing really well. Um, a little bit ago, his dad died of cancer, and I, I talked with him a little bit during that time. Oh, yeah, it that, sucks because uh, apparently his dad was like. The reason why he was such a cool dude so i even felt a little sad about it because i was like well fuck if like if he was even half the man you are like you know i made, made like, this big speech about how like i still was like super grateful he saved my life and shit like that and uh he got so embarrassed you could tell like he's just like dude no it's fine don't worry about it because like I, I at the time i wasn't thinking i just like i was like shit dude but like i also had posted this on facebook where his entire family could see it so yeah either way but yeah, no, it's just like, I guess like the full circle bit that I'm, I'm uh, trying to get to is that like, no, no, no one was hurt by those jokes being made. And sure, there's probably people out there that really don't want to hear that shit, that, you know, and that's fine. I'm, I'm, I think we should all be respectable people. If someone's like, hey, man, do you mind not talking about this around me? And as long as, you know, I guess we're friends, I'm assuming, at this, you know, for this example, I, I can respect that. So long as it's not like, hey, don't talk about this super broad topic, I'll probably turn to them like, listen, man. That's a little unrealistic, but like, if it's one thing, like, um, like a, a friend of ours, I won't, I won't out them or name them, but there was a friend of ours who asked us to stop making gay jokes back however many years ago. Cause at the time we didn't really know, but they were getting ready to come out of the closet. And I, I, I gave a little bit of pushback myself personally, but I was also cause I didn't really understand what was going on. Um, but once, you know, everything was said and done and out in, in the open, I was like, Oh, well dude, that's fine. No big deal. Yeah. You know, we can, we can stop that. Like, kind of deal it was out of like respect and stuff and i think that that proved that like none of us are really homophobic either it's just like we weren't trying to be assholes at all ever it was just funny i think um people forget that irony is a thing not uh, not not your wife dylan but like uh... <laughs> that is her username <laughs> <laughs> but you know like being ironic about something like if you make a, a black joke about some about a black guy who can't support a family it's it's coming from a place of wow that's ridiculous that the ridiculousness can be funny it doesn't have to be that you really think a black man can't support a family. What, what is funny about that? Well, it's also an observation of a stereotype, um, which sometimes sometimes that stereotype can turn into 
a prejudice or a judgment before you understand who they are. So like, so like if you constantly make a meme about, I don't know, just assume someone, some, some demographic who is not a minority, if you constantly make a meme about that person and then start making, you turn that joke, that, that meme into a prejudice, into a, a judgment or a, a, a subject about that person, um, what is that, what is that going to change how you think about that person? even before you start learning the real information about them. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, so, mm-hmm. there's always, there's always, I guess, uh, what is it? Like the risk factor, I guess, in, in a lot of things, yeah. Yeah. you know, that reminds me of this clip that is really funny from that one show. Whose line is it anyway? It's one of the newer clips cause the host changed. Um, I know, but, um, the, the four, oh, the three plus guest improv comedians on that show. I mean, I guess they're woke or whatever you want to call it. You know, they're not right wing in, in any way, right? But there's this one clip where um uh the, the um Wayne, I forget his Brady? last name, but he, you yeah. know, he's he's the black guy in the show. Right. Wayne Brady, yeah. He makes a comment about how um why why isn't Tarzan ever depicted as a black man? Why can't a black man be king of the jungle? It just makes sense. And then um one of the other guys, one of the two regulars, gets up and he's like, Well, he needs to be able to swim. And and Wayne Brady just like collapses laughing because it's that fucking hilarious yeah. and the people in the crowd like he points out the people in the crowd like the the the, the other black girls in the crowd who are just like oh hell no get <laughs> <laughs> what he said and it's a good time everyone has a good time and i don't think any of those yeah, guys exactly. are racist yeah. honestly even he made a joke about you know black guys can't swim and it's like that's a stereotype no one actually believes that but like the way it was delivered was hilarious and everyone laughed yeah, yeah. it was fine I, I think. Yeah, in the rain, it's not a big deal. Like, for instance, I wouldn't like go out into like a public park to a black guy I've never met or you know talked to before. I'm like, oh hey, insert black joke here. You know, I would wholeheartedly and to a point like encourage him to knock me the fuck out because I kind of deserve <laughs> it at that point. That's like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just being rude, rude. <laughs> or even to some extent potentially racist at that point. But depending on what was said, I suppose. Well, stereotypes are, are an aspect of genre. So if you were to think about uh-huh. um, a genre trope, like let's say JRPGs always have the main character has amnesia and the, 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 the mother or the love interest or whoever talks to them about how whatever they, t- they had since they have amnesia or whatever. Stupid, stupid fucking trope. No one believes that. No one understands what that, how that relates to the real story but the person who understand who the person who's the audience the the learning person learning the story understands that this is a trope this is something that i need to that is helping me understand how this story works understand how this message is being portrayed so in the similar way a stereotype can be used as a trope as a as a means to delivering a joke so everyone understands Oh yeah, black people can't swim, white people can't jump, etc. Um, that's just an assumption that you use that is the way to deliver the joke. So in terms of comedy, that works because you understand that context and then you deliver that that punchline. Uh-huh. Yeah, like um, I know uh, Joe Coy had a Netflix special pretty recently yeah. that he did in Hawaii, and it was almost entirely constructed upon stereotypes which were hilariously delivered, mostly at his own expense for being a Filipino man. 
right? But like he made fun of a bunch of different kind of Asians and like nobody like tried to cancel him over it. You know, he was just pointing out, you know, uh, harmless, in my opinion, harmless stereotypes and using them to deliver a joke. And it was fine. Uh, But if he was white, maybe it wouldn't have been fine. But since he's Asian himself, it was pretty fine. But uh, that's a double standard. It shouldn't even have to be a double standard because it's a stereotype that culturally we accept as a an established prerequisite to understanding these jokes. So if mm-hmm. you don't understand those in the first place, then you won't understand the joke and you won't understand that it's not serious. If you do understand mm-hmm. that it's not serious, then you can understand that it is a joke and then you can laugh at it. There's a point in between and then there's a point past where you can understand, where you can interpret it as some sort of racism or some sort of prejudice. Say, hey, this is something that shouldn't be accepted. Mm. So there's a very, yeah, not even a, I wouldn't say it's a fine line. It's a, a sine wave of a line where you you don't understand. Mm-hmm. It's a very vague way where you don't know which part is acceptable and which part is not acceptable. So in terms right. of, in terms of my opinion. You either accept every single offensive thing, period, as far as the line goes, or you don't accept any of it. I don't. I don't think that we should have this very vague opinion of. Of, uh, I'm saying I think so. This is entirely opinion and therefore political. Um, but if you have this entirely vague definition of what is prejudice and what is just humor. It starts being like your prime material for being canceled, your prime material for for mm. being unacceptable or racist or something. Yeah. Also, it doesn't help. It doesn't help that there there are people out there that are fishing yeah. for this kind of stuff. They they get like high on canceling people. That gives them that rush, where it's like I did a thing where I took down someone that I yeah I couldn't even touch it's before. Popular right. Thing. Yeah. So they, they nitpick everything that they have access to that is popular and they, you know, they, they make their move. Like, you know, you see it not, I mean, you see it on Twitter all the time for like individuals, but like, you know, like people will nitpick like video games and stuff like in articles that pop up online, but they're all like fucking a farce, you know, like, um, there, there, there was this article that came out not long ago, you know, basically saying that we shouldn't let kids dress up as stormtroopers for Halloween because, you know, stormtroopers are supposed to be bad, and they're supposed to evoke like you Literally know Nazi. the whole space Nazi thing. Though I think they, they, they very cleverly went that whole article without saying Nazi. Nope, that's not true. Never mind. But you know, yeah. you know what they're doing, and it's bullshit. And it's like people are always gonna idolize the villains, even if they're not bad. Like if so, it's okay to joke about the Empire did nothing wrong and want to dress as a stormtrooper, and also yeah. not be a bad person. Like, I think it's the author of that article's problem that they can't separate the two. I think that's on them. How many times in 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 the history of fiction has you know either the bad guy been turned good, or it was like a direct mirror of something bad that happened in the real world that we now probably like? I'm sure that there's religious holidays that were based on something evil that we now celebrate as something good. I don't know anything off the top of my head, but I'm just I'm just pointing out that like bad shit has existed and will exist and has happened and will influence things because it happened. 
we can't just be you know uh what's the word for it? like adverse about it like we can't we can't let it like i don't know destroy us because if we did i mean almost everything in the known universe would you know make us shut down mm-hmm. like for example there's saint patrick's day which in america and maybe canada yep. too is just a day where everyone gets drunk and they don't care why and they wear green and pinch people but and talk about leprechauns but like that holiday is for when the christians drove out the pagans from ireland with murder good old fashioned <laughs> murder it was not a joyous occasion for the people being murdered uh, <laughs> and all the irish legends that may have died with them oh it's fine their their legends are fine it's the scottish legends that died oh right right a oh, but like um, different time but still ah what was i saying though so like um i had a follow up point oh, i forgot what it was that's oh, all right but like um Fuck, what was I going to say? Speaking of the Scottish, have you guys seen Transpotting? Uh, no. Good. It's a good Scottish movie. It's about heroin. There's, hmm. a, there's a 10 minute sequence where they talk about how terrible Scotland is. It's awesome. Amazing. I love the movie. I've seen it like four times. Damn. How much have you had to drink, Why? Uh, Too much. <laughs> Like a, a bunch of bullet bourbon. You're a very coherent. I, I applaud you. You're, you're making full, complete sentences I'm, and making intelligent I'm, points. I'm so... It is 4.04 a.m. right now here in the good old state of Michigan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and over here in the glorious, great Seattle area, it is only 1 a.m. But I have to wake up early tomorrow. Time for the outro. Thank you for listening. You can check out all of our ridiculous antics on melomancy.net. You can find the link to all the places where you can find the recordings. You can join our Discord if you like to be punished by the Discord program, which is trash. Or if you just want to talk to us, you can find me, uh, Dylon, at shipposter.club slash Dylon. Everyone calls me Dylan. You can find Victim at twitter.com slash mm underscore victim. And a special thank you to Y from Shipposter Club who joined us for this episode. Uh, I posted earlier, hey, I'm going to do the live stream. We're going to ep- record the episode. And then he, he reached out and was like, hey, I'm drunk too. Let's shit post together. And I was like, that sounds like a good time. I've had a lot to drink. I'm really tired. He can be found at shitposter.club slash Y. That's W-H-Y. And we'll see you in the next episode.